KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning, right after the show at 11 o'clock. Leo Laporte, uh, the tech guy, and he's on today and tomorrow uh, from 11 to 2. And today, right after that show, it's Neil Saavedra with a fork report, all things food. And he describes himself as a, a well-fed host. Yeah, no kidding, Neil. And uh, right after that, uh, at 6 o'clock, Mo Kelly. And then that's from 6 to 8. And Mo's heard tomorrow, today and tomorrow from 6 to 8. Monique Marvez, 8 to 10. And then Brian Suits comes in. Uh, and Brian is our military guy. And he's on from... 8 to 10, from 10 to midnight tonight, and then tomorrow it's uh, 8 to 10. Very confusing. And they expect me to do this from memory. And I do, but I never remember, even though it has been going on for years. Uh, what can I tell you? This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Well, one of the big, big, big stories uh, in uh, regard to the Trump administration the first six months is the rescission of DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And these are kids. Now, there may be adults who were brought over here as youngsters, and many of them not even knowing they were illegal. They were brought here illegally. None of them very, uh, a lot of them not even knowing they were illegal until they turn 16 and want to get a driver's license and don't have social security numbers and don't have a birth certificate showing them, uh, showing that they were born here. And then they find out, oh my God, I'm illegal. So what President Obama did was create and signed into law the DACA program. Actually, it wasn't a law. It was simply an executive directive that he that he uh, signed. It was a presidential decree. And that allowed these uh, kids to go to school, uh, to go to college and not be deported or and or get a work permit and not be deported. Well, President Trump rescinded that, as you probably know, and lawsuits immediately hit 20 states filed a lawsuit and their argument is a constitutional argument that uh, the president can't rescind something he's already done. And due process, none of that makes a lot of sense because the president has complete power. They didn't bitch and moan or they're not arguing that President Obama had the right to do it. All they're arguing is that President uh, Trump uh, has no right to rescind it. Come on. Really? A president has a right to do both. So California is a different animal. California's basis for filing a suit against uh, the rescission of DACA is based on the harm that a presidential decree has on the state. And what California is saying is that since we have a quarter of the 800,000 DACA protectees, the rescission is going to hurt California much greater than any other state. It is a definite hit on a state, on a single state, based on a presidential decree. Now, that has some legs. Is it going to prevail? I don't think so. But at least they'll be able to get into court. I think the other states are going to be thrown out. They're not even going to, uh, they'll not even go so far as to get in front of a judge. So uh, everybody's trying to attack the rescission, except for those people that, don't want to attack the rescission. And it breaks down between blue states and red states. Uh, for example, one of the reasons that's given for uh, the president rescinding DACA is he acted after several Republican-led states sued to end the DACA program. So what the president did politically is say, okay, uh, I'm rescinding it, but Congress, you have I'm, nothing is going to happen for six months. You figure it out. 
So he's kicked the can down the road. Okay, we'll take some phone calls. All right, Regina. Uh, Hi, Regina. Welcome. My question is, do you know of an attorney that would take my case on contingency basis? Um, My father died. I got 6300 My brother said there should have been over 100000 and they're telling me the only way. Um, Why did she, you only get 6300 Because she took the other money, I guess. Okay, so you have to sue. She was the uh, trustee. Was it a trust or was it a will? It's a will that I have. All right, and uh, she was, uh, I guess, the executor? She was not appointed. I think she just appointed herself. So how did she, she get access to the money? I guess he trusted her with the code or your the All right. bank book. I, I don't know. All right, and depends on secrecy. okay. That's the problem. Is she's going to argue that was uh, my dad wanted me to have the money, otherwise he wouldn't have put my name in there. Uh, and when the will does the will specifically talk about the bank account? Yeah, um, the All right. that I have it says you know whatever is left in there was supposed to go to me. All right, I, but that what is ever left there, and they ta- and it was specifically mentioning that bank account. You know what? I was told, because again, I I wasn't raised with them. My brother saw everything, but my brother almost died, so he couldn't be in charge. Regina, I think you're going to have a hard time. I mean, you can easily go to the website, handleonthelaw.com, and we have trust and estate lawyers, but it's it's not going to be easy. And how long ago did this happen, Regina? My father died. Yeah, how long ago? How many many years ago did this happen? No, no, no. He just died. Okay, so the money, how do you know the money has been taken? Because the bank told me that the account has been closed. She closed it in February. That's when I got... And how do you know it was over $100,000 in that account? Because my brother saw it before he almost died. He was in a bus accident. And so my father... All right. Well, it's going to be tough getting someone to do it on a contingency. But uh, your brother said he saw it. And how did he see it? Uh, Because my father wanted him to be in charge. He took him around the... But the will will specifically says the money goes to you. Yeah. All right. Well, you can try to try. talk to an attorney uh, because there's enough there. Now the trick is over $100,000. You can take it on contingency. That one is a problem because if the money is all gone uh, and, and she doesn't have any money, uh, where do you go? See, where does, the lawyer get, uh, where does the lawyer get paid? Yeah. So there has to be. And if she spent the money, uh, Regina, what do you do? Yeah, that's why I was trying to get someone to try to maybe help me because somebody said if you for, go to and file, it, they can make, make myself, um, how do you say, the... Uh, an executor? The, I don't know. That's not so easy to do, but it doesn't matter. What can happen is all the accounts are frozen once you file. You escort to freeze the account. But uh, it's certainly worth talking to a tr- trust and estate lawyer. Uh, and go to the website to do that because there's a lot of pieces on this one for sure. This is Handle on the Law. Let's check in with Rocio Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. Coming up today on the Fork Report, we'll be discussing fine dining with Chef Vartan, also the intricacies of an authentic mole and fun fall eats. That was your promo for the week? That wasn't even funny. They don't all have to be funny, Bellio! The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handel on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, Ken, hello, Ken. Hi, Bill. Uh, exactly a week ago, my father, who's 80, 
Is going to be eight four this year? Um, he got a DUI. Ah, oh, good for him. He was drunk and driving. I usually don't get many eighty three year olds who are that plastered. Yeah. What did he so, blow on the? Uh, I assume it's a breathalyzer. Do you know what he blew on that? No, he's he's partially dement. You know, he has dementia. Oh, okay. So he doesn't remember a lot. All right. He does. He got it due to rear-ending somebody. All right. There's no damage to his car is what he's told me. Um, I'm not living with him, so I'm just giving you got all it. the details that I got. All right, Ken. So what is your question? He wants to get an attorney. I think he's You don't need an attorney. Him. Yeah, he's not going to need an attorney. I mean, the bottom line is uh, if he was drunk uh, mm-hmm. and they had to arrest him for drunk driving, he got a DUI. He either blew a breathalyzer and he blew over .08. Uh, or he uh, did the blood test and failed that one, or he was uh, so out of his mind that he refused to do any of that, which sometimes happens because they can't force you, they can't tie you down uh, to do the breathalyzer, although if you refuse, you automatically lose your license. But you know what? He's going to get the DUI. There'll be a fine. He's certainly not going to do any jail time. They're not going to put an 83-year-old in jail. Uh, They're probably going to take away his license, uh, and they uh, may take it, and they may take it away permanently. But if you have uh, a demented eighty-three-year-old dad, he shouldn't be driving anyway. Ken, I was about to warn him when this happened. Yeah, so it, so it's going to be taken care of uh, for you. Uh, so that's okay. what's going to happen. He doesn't need a lawyer for that. Uh, and if he does, you go just to the public defender. I remember my dad, who shouldn't have been driving. Uh, he sort of lost his ability to drive. And uh, it wasn't so much demented. He just uh, didn't really. Well, maybe he was demented. But he got into a couple of uh, fender benders and would get lost quite a bit. And uh, it's very tough to tell someone you can't drive anymore because all of the independence is gone. And I I got him, and I kept on telling him, you, you have to stop driving, and he would get very offended. And I said, tomorrow morning when you shave, Dad, here's what I want you to do. Look at yourself in the mirror, and when you kill someone and the family member is looking at you, why don't you explain to that person why you killed their loved one? And uh, he actually, yeah, I mean, that did it for him. Now, if it were me, I'd say, I don't care how many people I kill. If you think you're going to take away my driver's license, you're out of your mind. All right, Bill. Hello, Bill. Hello, Bill. Yes, sir. I had my storage unit at storage store it self-storage in Costa Mesa. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, oh, that's great. I'm glad you mentioned names so we both get sued. Absolutely. Okay. I got broken into. Uh, I had a lot of power tools taken. I find out from the manager, she gave out my storage unit number to somebody who called in on the phone pretending to be me. Okay. Do, do I have any case? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You get to sue uh, the people of the storage uh, company. You get to sue the storage company. Uh, especially if you can corroborate this. Uh, I think the manager at some point is going to say, oh, no, no, I never did that. I don't know. I have any idea how they broke in. She admitted it to the cop who came out. And ah, reported. then you have, okay, then, yes. We also have caller ID. Oh, you're fine. ID. No, no, Bill, you're fine. You have, you have the proof. You could have stopped right there when you said she admitted it to the police officers who took the report. Now the only issue is the, are, is the damages. How yeah. do you prove that you had, for example, two table saws instead of one? Or no table saws. Uh-huh. Uh, it's um, See, that's the problem. Because you're going to argue, well, here's $10,000 worth of tools. They're going to say there's no proof you had anything in there other than some boxes. Well, I listed it all in the police report. That is, but, uh, but that's not determinative. You could have listed anything. You could have said there was $100,000 in gold bars. And the police uh, would have taken that down and written and said, uh, Bill says $100,000 in gold bars. 
So this is one of those good lessons. By the way, that's not to say that you didn't have all your tools there because you come in with affidavits and people have seen it and you have a, a record of being of having these tools forever. I mean, there's a bunch of different ways of doing it and any way you can to prove uh, or at least indicate what kind of tools you had and how much they were worth. So if you have to look at it all, how much money are we talking about here? Oh, maybe a grand. Oh, then you sue for $1,000 and you list the tools that were there, and you come in with an affidavit, for example, from uh, a friend said, oh, yeah, I've seen the tools. Yes, he did some work. Or you talk about your um, you talk about your hobby with tools. The more you can come to the table, the better off you're going to be. But the bottom line is, yes, you have a case, especially with the negligence of the manager. What all he has to do is, hi, my name is Bill. Let me have the number. And so, yeah, it's one of those proof, proof, proof issues. All right, Mary. Yes. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you? Yes. Um, thank you for being here. Um, I don't have a will. I added my property, my son's name. Is that sufficient enough? You added your son's name to the property? Yes. Yeah, that's probably And that's all you have is the house, Mary? Yes. All right. And uh, you transferred the property from you to both of you, correct? Well, I, I added my... Uh, Son's name on my property. Okay, how did you do that? How did you add his name to the property? What document did you put it on? Well, I went to this lady and I, I forgot what it was, but I signed it. I sent it to the uh, place. Okay, so you don't remember who you signed it? Do you, do you have the document with you, Mary? No, I, I don't right now. Uh, okay, uh, you have to find out what document you signed, Mary. Okay, then is that... Uh, is that sufficient, you know, after I'm gone? I'm sorry? No, after I'm dead. Is that yeah, which sounds like it's going to happen any moment now. What uh, exactly, well, let me ask you, is your son the only child you have? No, I have a daughter, but... Uh, you don't want her to have the money. You don't want her to have the house, right? Right, right. Okay, uh, what you have to do is find out what document you signed. Okay. And if you don't know what document is signed, now this gets a little complicated, you're going to have to go to the recorder's office. Yeah, and that's what, they, they sent it to the recording office. They did send it. They sent it to the recorder's office. So, I haven't received anything back, so do you think I should call them and find out? Yeah, f- call the people that you signed the document with. Yes. Do you remember who those folks were? Uh, she was an accountant. Okay, so it was your accountant who did it. Call the accountant and find out exactly if it was recorded. Okay. And find out if you did it correctly. I mean, it sounds like you probably did. You transferred the property to both of your names. Is that what you said? Well, no. It, it, it's under only my name because I'm a widow. I know, but you transferred it to your son, right? Yes, I guess I added, yes, my son's You added your son's name. Okay, you have to pull the document. You probably did it, uh, tenants in common. All right, you have to pull the document and find out. That doesn't make this very easy. It really doesn't. Sounds like my mother. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. We see more stimulating talk in your future. That future starts now. KFI, an iHeartRadio station. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. 
Sonny. Hello, Sonny. What's up, Andrew? The problem this morning is I need to know if there's a, a college grad or a school that's letting out uh, young lawyers to handle a, a civil case that I had in Georgia. In Georgia. Well, uh, here's the problem. You're probably going to need a lawyer in Georgia. And there are uh, the law schools generally do have clinics where they do help people uh, who don't have any money. Uh, It's uh, these pro bono uh, organizations uh, where uh, law students get to work under a lawyer and uh, get some uh, practice. But you're going to need uh, you're going to find that out in Georgia, Sonny. Yeah, yeah. If the case is in Georgia, you're going to have to call a lawyer in Georgia. But call the law schools in Georgia and find out if they have any clinics. Okay, call the law schools. Yeah, call every law school you can get your hands on in Georgia. And then you may also want to just find out uh, organizations that uh, do pro bono work. Sonny, are you you broke? Yes, sir. That helps. All right, what kind of civil case do you have? Uh, it's a civil case concerning a house that my mom had built, and uh, this lawyer, this friend of hers, well, he was a he was a uh, loan uh, company. He said he loaned her forty thousand, and she had insurance on it. So when she died, I gave him the uh, the death certificate, and I asked him, "What did you do with the death certificate?" He said he took the death certificate and paid. Uh, and got paid for the death certificate for $2,000. Okay, I, none of this makes sense, Sonny. You can put, you can get the death certificate in two seconds. That's that's a public record. Yeah, you're going to need, okay. uh, you're probably going to need some kind of a clinic. No lawyer is going to take this on contingency, and clearly you're not going to be able to pay hundreds of dollars an hour. So call the law schools. You want to look under pro bono uh, legal help in Georgia. All right? All right. All right. Yeah, good luck. Good. So it just occurred to me that some law schools do have clinics. but And actually, the lawyers that oversee those clinics are generally pretty good. Uh, those lawyers are uh, – what they do is they get paid about $28,000 a year to oversee the clinics, and uh, they couldn't uh, uh, probably uh, sell pencils on a street corner if it weren't for uh, those clinics. Nicely said, Handel. I'm sure I'm going to get one or two calls and say, come on, Bill, Really? And I will say, do you have any pencils for sale? <laughs> Hello, Karen. Hi, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Uh, my sister was hit by a car, and consequently she died. Mm. Completely, completely dead. Yeah. The when was when was this, Karen? March 4th. Wow. Okay. And the coroner is sending me a bill for transportation from the hospital to the coroner's office for the autopsy, which I did not request. If I don't pay the bill, can they ding my credit? And if they do ding my credit, um, well, I have to. Uh, All right. Can I yeah, that the both pretty good questions. The answer is no and yes. Uh, the um, you are not responsible for your sister at all. Uh, I don't know where they got the idea that you're somehow responsible for this. And if they do ding your credit, or they say we are going to ding your credit, you say I'm going to sue you. Uh, where is it that I'm responsible for this? Uh, well, I actually looked it up, and there is some code that says they can build an extra ten. But how do they know who to build? Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. I don't understand. Are there any other uh, siblings out there? There's one more, but I'm not going to push it off on her. Why not? Because I actually like her. That's that's really a bad reason. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me how they can build the next next of kin. 
it's uh, that's uh, I don't understand how they can do that. And what does that mean? Do that? Let's say you have four sisters and parents still around. Does that mean you charge everybody? And uh, it doesn't make any sense. But the point is, uh, short of that, I would love to see that code. Uh, and uh, where they can do that and how you're responsible for it. And they can bill you. Does that mean you have to pay? And uh, what happens if you don't have the money? Do well, I, there's an indigent clause, but I'm not indigent. Yeah, no, it's just uh, I don't, I've never heard of that. So uh, I, I'm going to need look at that code. So if you would do me a favor uh, at the radio station that I work, if you go ahead and uh, either uh, send it to me or give me a link, and of course I'll ignore it either way, and uh, I'll look this up. Okay, never heard of that. How next of kin can be charged for an autopsy? Where did that come from? All right, Tom, you're up. Welcome. Hello. Okay, I'm going to get right to it. Okay, I worked for an employer for about three years. I left that employment about a year and a half ago. And during the three years I worked for them, I worked a considerable amount of overtime. Uh, during the last six months, I worked an average of 80 hours per week. Mm, that's a lot. Why are you, So if you left a year and a half ago, Tom, why are you calling now? Well, that is part of my question. Uh, I wanted to know... Uh, is there a time limit? Where yeah, there I is a statute, but you still may be within, uh, I, I I don't know if it's a year, and I, I don't have the statute in front of me, uh, but I think if you don't make the claim within, certainly there there is a statute. I just don't know it. One year, six months, whatever it is. If you are past that time, you're out of luck. So the trick is for you to contact the state, Department of Industrial Relations. There's a whole section of, uh, there's a whole section involved with uh, wage enforcement and you can look on the website. They'll have uh, just State of California and then the Department of Industrial Relations and then frequently asked questions or there'll be some somewhere there that'll talk about a statute. Okay? Yeah. Um, can, I, can I ask you sure. just a question? If we assume that – because somebody told me it was three years. Okay. It could we, be. If we assume that, um, you know, I'm within the time. Um, one of the things about it is um, during the last six months that I worked those 80 hours uh, per week, um, the the manager's wife uh, passed away, and so I stepped in and basically uh, just just ran the show for them uh, during during that time. Well, did they know you were working 80 hours? Yes. All right. Um, then they, okay. Doesn't then it doesn't matter what for what reason you're working 80 hours. Well. The, the thing is that, according to them, basically, uh, if you're a manager, you get paid a salary. That's but true. That's true. But you you reach a point where uh, it's I think eighty hours. I think is over is uh, a little bit over uh, over the top here. And you were not a, you were not an hourly employee. Well, that's just the thing. They never actually made me the manager several times. Were several you an hourly employee? Doesn't matter if you took over management jobs. Were you an hourly employee? No, it's actually a commission employee. Um, the the commission. Okay, so you were wait wait so. Okay, so you were a commission, but you're still an employee. Correct. It was just based on uh, commission. Uh, yeah, I think you I think you get paid. It's time for you to look at uh, the website, and if nothing else, you talk to an employment discrimination attorney and see if anything's there because it could be pretty substantial. So you can go to the website. Oh, yeah. You can go to the website and look for handle handleonthelaw.com. 
and uh, just look at attorneys who do employment discrimination. Those are the people that would look on that employment law. This is Handle on the Law. Rocio Rivera has the latest in the KFI newsroom. Room. I saw a T-shirt the other day that read, Procrastinators Unite Tomorrow. Funny, but not a good way to live. I'll explain on this week's Jesus Christ Show. The Jesus Christ Show. Tomorrow morning at 6 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. Mr. This is KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Hi, Tina. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes, ma'am. So my orthodontist has it where I'm allergic to latex, but they keep giving me rubber bands for my braces that contain latex. I finally read the package. Can I do this for malpractice? And what are your damages, Tina? What happened to you? Well, the inside of my mouth was irritated, and I would get these bumps, and they were kind of um, swollen and lumpy. Yeah, lumpy. Yeah, how much is it? Yeah, what do you think a jury's going to give you for lumpy? I don't know. Yeah, I do. <laughs> what do you That's think? It. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. You want to sue a dentist for malpractice because of rubber bands that are latex? So what is going on now? Are they now using non-latex rubber bands? Yes, they are. Uh, they finally, yeah, they finally switched. There you go. And different. you're good. And your bumps have gone away, right? They're subsiding slowly. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, you want to tell a lawyer that I used to have bumps. And now I don't have bumps, and I want to sue the dentist, and I want lots and lots of money, okay? Okay. All right, there you go. Good for you. <sighs> Dawn. Hi, Dawn. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. How you doing? Yes, sir. Okay, so here's my question. My uh, mother-in-law had a surgery done, on, and... We were going to put her in assistant living. Now we have to put her in a nursing home. But we just found out she has to be pretty much destituted before Medi-Cal could step in. Mm -hmm. And the question is, she left a a trust to my wife for the house and everything, all the belongings to go to her. Now, can they still take that before they step in? Yeah, because the trust is, I mean, Dawn, the trust is still her money. Okay. Yeah, I mean, even if uh, the assets go into the trust, you can't. Uh, turn around and put all of assets into a trust so the state doesn't have to pay. Okay. Because otherwise everybody would do that. Yeah, right. Right? That's It's free money from the state. It doesn't work that way. So the big answer is no on that one. You have no case. Oh, that's twice now. That's two. You have no case in a row. Oh, that's getting good. Sam. Hi, Sam. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes. Uh, I called you before I asked about the question, and I didn't pay the car for three months. He took the car away, and he asked me if I want the car, i got to pay him back again a 1000 bucks. but I don't have no money. And my question, did he chase me with the money, the one I owe him, if he took he sold the car in auction? Oh, you're talking about the difference between what you owe and what they got? Can they go after you for that? Yeah. Yeah. They can. He can. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They can. But, nice nice talking to you. I'm sure you're happy about that. You betcha. Uh, Norm. Hi, Norm. Hey, Bill. Uh, my wife's getting a settlement from a car accident this month, 
Is that income taxable or no. tax-free? No, it's tax-free. There's no tax uh, incident there. How much is she getting? About 20000 No, it's not. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. I would have been a lot more impressed if you had said 200000 or $2 million. But, you know, it's better than so a kid. Yeah, it's better than a stick in the eye. The point is it's not income. Uh, it's, okay. it's compensation for pain and suffering, which is not considered income. Julie, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, um, Bill. I wanted to know, um, as far as the look-back period for transfers, um, for, this is regarding Medi-Cal, is it 30 months or is it five years? I have absolutely no idea, Julie. Oh, none, so none, none whatsoever. Uh, look-back period. Uh, I don't even know if you actually look back. Maybe you look sideways for all I know. Is I, It's almost like the questions uh, that I get... Uh, Bill, under Section 105B, Paragraph 1A of the Penal Code. A 6.1 earthquake has hit Mexico City, the quake. Well, no, a 6.1 earthquake has hit Mexico City. The quake was centered in the southern state of Oaxaca. Hello, Bruce. A Hall of Fame surfer has teamed up with a member of Congress to start a shark early warning system in Corona del Mar. Gatorade has agreed to pay up for making fun of water. stubborn father-in-law that lives in my house. He's active. He's alert. He's 90 years old. He has um, um, uh, so he's the DMV has not renewed his license, and insurance has dropped him. And he the only thing he owns is the clothes on his back and his his 20 year old car. Okay, so you don't uh, your name is not on the car. That's correct. All right. Well, he if he wants to drive the car without a license, that's his issue. Well, so if he, uh, heaven forbid, goes out and kills someone out in the street driving, can can there be a lawsuit yeah. against me? Uh, me? Hold on. <coughs> Excuse me, I just sneezed. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody sues everybody, but I don't see much liability there. I mean, he's 90 years old. I mean, it's, is it your yeah, job but- to uh, to make sure he has a license? Yeah, yeah, so what? It's his problem, his car. Uh, now, what I would do is if he drives out there, I'd call the cops when he gets in the car. But that's only to say that's only to save someone's life, Bruce. Yeah, no. I, OK, that that's when it that's when it gets pretty dicey, because uh, can you imagine if you really seriously hurt someone or kill someone? Yeah. Then you have to look at yourself and say, gee, I could have called the police. Uh, I could have done something and you didn't. But as far as liability is concerned, uh, I don't think they're going to go after you. All right. Well, he's hiding the key from us, and um, we're having these conversations, and he does not call the call the cops. Yeah. Well, whenever he picks up the drives off the car, drives the car out of there, you call the cops and say, "Hey, there's a 90 year old guy out there," and uh, it's you know what are you going to do if 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 someone does get hurt? Yeah, yeah. But but bottom line is. uh, a family cannot come after me or my house. I don't think so. No, no, because yeah. you have nothing to do with it. And the fact he's uh, living with you doesn't mean that you're res- responsible. It's not your car. Uh, you don't have that car on an insurance, any insurance policy. No, he's on his own. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I have no idea if I'm right or wrong on that one. So maybe uh, the old man kills someone and he loses his house. Hey, you know, that's what you get for calling a radio lawyer. Yeah. Hey, they, what do you want? They want you to ask me a medical question about your lung disease and see how far that goes. Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. 
KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday, hour number two. And uh, a good morning uh, to you again. And uh, let's uh, do it with the phone numbers, as always. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. And since it is the top of the hour, you know the drill by now. All you have to do is pick up the phone now. I sound like a commercial, don't I? Just pick up the phone and call right now. Well, it sort of is a commercial if you want to come in and the phone, right? But uh, only the first six callers because that happens to be the, li- the number of lines that we have open. And you want to be one of the first ones, right? Uh, absolutely. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, uh, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, this is uh, one that's been covered, and uh, it's, uh, of course, gone viral, uh, the entire story and the video attached to it. All right, so uh, you have a man uh, who is robbing uh, a Starbucks uh, and this is up in uh, Fresno, which is north of here for a while. Lots of sheep uh, in Fresno. Uh, actually, it's a it's Basque country too. If uh, I think it is, it's either Fresno or Bakersfield. That's Basque country. I think it's Fresno. In any case, there's a video of uh, this man, uh, Greg Jerry, struggling with a would be robber. Uh, the robber's in a Transformers mask. Uh, tried to stage a holdup with a knife and a toy gun at the Starbucks. And Jerry, at one point, uh, sees what's happening, approaches the robber from behind, bashes him over the head with a chair, and the two hit the ground and grapple. Now, remember, uh, the bad guy has a knife in his hand, and for somehow, uh, Jerry gets hold of the knife and... Uh, uh, Jerry is uh, stabbed in the back because he tried to grab the knife. So Jerry's able to take the knife away, and he stabs the robber several times and keeps on stabbing. Uh, so he survived, uh, but uh, the bad guy's mother, that's uh, Flores's mother, uh, says uh, he is going to sue the Good Samaritan. Uh, because here, he, here it is. The guy, in my opinion, went from Good Samaritan to a vigilante And it doesn't take many stab wounds to get someone to succumb to you. And uh, the boy's father uh, said, I understand uh, that he robbed the store, but Jerry stabbed my son 17 times. Of course, the police chief said uh, this lawsuit is currently ludicrous. But uh, there is a point where you cross the line. Someone is down, for example, uh, splayed out, hands out. Uh, because of suffering from stab wounds, and the Good Samaritan comes and keeps on stabbing, that's excessive. However, if uh, we're talking about they're still grappling, and uh, Greg uh, Jerry is uh, stabbing and can argue I he wasn't totally subdued, he was still moving around, I had no idea, he'd already attacked me with a knife, uh, guess what's going to happen? Of course. Uh, It's a ludicrous lawsuit, although there have been lawsuits like this filed. So uh, he has no case. All right, let's move on with uh, a phone call or two or three. Uh, Hello, Betty. Welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you, my dear? Hey, Bill. 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 Hey, Bill.
I want to hire one of your attorneys. Okay. And one of the things I want to find out is, are they supposed to read your Miranda rights before they arrest you? Yeah, while they're arresting you. Uh, they do. Once they say you're under arrest, they have to actually say that. They have to tell you if you're under arrest, the police. And do they have to be outside when they do it? No, they can be any place. Okay. They can be can any I- place. And so you have an arrest, and once the police officers say you are under arrest, and then right into you have the right to remain silent, uh, anything you say can be used against you in a court of law. If you can't afford an attorney, one will be provided to you at no cost. So tell me what happened that you uh, need an attorney. Well, uh, this is not from me. It's a friend of mine, son. Uh, they raided the house because he'd been watching porn, uh-huh. and but and they took him outside to arrest him, so they didn't want to do it in front of the grandmother. Okay, well that's nice. But, that's nice of them to do that. Uh huh. But they didn't raise Miranda rights. Okay. When they, when they they took him downtown, then when they started the procedure, he told his attorney, which did nothing. And the other people, and then the one of the people said later on, because he has us to go to classes, said, well, they only have to do it if they want to interview. And, but the attorney did nothing for him. It was all... Okay, here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem where you're misunderstanding, Betty, is that the Miranda rights only have to do with what he says before the Miranda rights are given to him. Found out everything they wanted to know, and they didn't. And they necessarily didn't need his testimony. If he admits everything and has not been Mirandized, they can't use that. Uh, so it's just what he says. The only punishment to the police and the prosecutors when Miranda rights are not given is you can't use whatever the suspect says before being Mirandized. That's it. So it's uh, if they haven't used what he has said and they have a witness or they have uh, we observed him watching porn and uh, the reason we kept him, uh, we took him outside so the other police officers could watch the porn for a while and uh, keep themselves busy. So they said, hey, why don't you stand over here outside? We want to we have to see what's going on to determine whether a crime has been committed or not. So what it, it, so let me ask you, what did actually they arrest him for, Betty? Uh, porn. And they Watching porn. <laughs> Betty, no, no, no. Every guy on the planet would be arrested. And that's the case. Was it? No, was they it, came in and handed the people the. Uh, the right to search the house. Which they ah, did. they had a search warrant. And what was yes. the search warrant about? I guess that. No, Betty, it's perfectly legal to watch pornography. It is? Absolutely. Matter of fact, if you were here in the studio, you wouldn't be surprised as to what I have on the screen right now. Now, normally it's for research purposes. So uh, what I have when I'm broadcasting is I have CNN and Fox News up on the monitors. I have a computer in front of me, which normally goes to, uh, which normally I go to L.A. Times, Wall Street Journal, or the uh, uh, or the New York Times. And whoa, I didn't even know you could even do that with a kangaroo. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought for a moment. And so that's perfectly legal. Okay. I know he also. I think he also had some. I guess you rent movies or whatever it is. Is that legal? Yes. Of course it is, Betty. Well, then I think we better see about this attorney. Damn right. How do we do that now? You see about the attorney. What do you think the attorney did wrong, Betty? Well, he didn't do anything for me. So what happened happened to your son, uh, your friend's son? Was he convicted? 
Oh, yeah. Of what? They never ask him a thing. They of what? They didn't have to him. ask him anything. If they had other evidence, they don't need to ask him anything. What was he convicted of, Betty? Watching porn, I Well, guess. there you go. Uh, Mike, do not let any police officers in the building, or I am in a world of hurt. Oh, that's how you do it with a kangaroo. I get it now. This is Handle on the Law. Okay, Rosario Rivera in the KFI Newsroom. Rosario. It's actually Rocio. Rocio. <laughs> Good oh, morning, I did it Bill. again. I did it again, <laughs> Rocio. I'm sorry. I apologize. It is all good. Coming up today on the Fork Report, we'll be discussing fine dining with Chef Vartan, also the intricacies of an authentic mole and fun fall eats. That was your promo for the week? That wasn't even funny. They don't all have to be funny, Bellio. The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640, Bill Handel. It's a uh, Saturday morning. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Back we go. More Handle on the Law. Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, Hi, Karen. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I was calling to try to uh, see what I can do. Uh, My mother purchased a house uh, a few uh, years ago with her stepfather, uh, he actually helped her to qualify for the loan because she couldn't do it by herself. So they were put on the deed as joint tenants. Now that the house is almost paid off, he locked her out. It's two units on the lot. He locked her out. He brought her his, his uh, original daughter to live there. Now my mother is actually out of the house. Ah, uh, okay. He's offering her 30000 to sign mm. over the deed. Mm. I'm telling her no. Yeah. Uh, I was advised to take him to court to do a okay. petition. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, what's your question? Is uh, whether that advice was good or not, right? Yes. Yeah, it is good. Yes. It is good. Uh, why don't you change the locks back and just you have the uh, the key? You're an owner of the house. Call a uh, just have a copy of the deed. Call a locksmith and change the locks back. And if they change it, you come back and change it again. And you can oh, have wow. the dueling. You have just as much right to change the locks as uh, the other owner does. Or it's yeah, it, he's- joint tenancy means that you both own the property. And it's real easy to respond to, I'm going to give you $30,000 and you, and I want to take the whole house. It's a big, no thank you, go pound sand. Yes. My only uh, concern about that is he is 80, 89 years old. Oh, that's even better. He, he's using his old age against my mom. Like, oh, let's No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, uh, his old age is going to be your benefit because you're going to get into court almost instantly. Based on the fact he's so old. I mean, I mean, he may have to ask for it. But no, no, you're fine. Okay, because he's saying that if, he, if, he go, if we go to court, we take him to a partition sale, that the court, the judge is going to order. There is uh, no chance. Yeah. The judge yeah, can't take away someone's property just because you have an 89-year-old man that says, Your Honor, I want to pay $30,000 so the other owner uh, gives me the property. No. Yeah. There's no so way. He's, he's, He's basically saying that it's his. Like if he's sending my mom letters. I understand he's saying that it's his. We're having a good time here. All right? We're right into me asking you, how many times can you ask an idiotic question after I've told you no four times? Okay. All right. Nice okay. talking to you. Wow. Tell me I'm not losing patience. Is it just today or is it normal, uh, Mike? Normal? 
This is my normal, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, Brian, you're up. Uh, don't make me lose my patience. Okay, Brian, go ahead. Hello. Yes. I'm going through a divorce, and my my attorney quit on me yesterday. Ah. That I was not being truthful and forthcoming with them. And it all stems from a lot that I had. It doesn't matter. It does, I, it, uh, Brian, it doesn't matter. Is the How close to trial or how close to any uh, procedure are you? They have filed all the papers with the yeah, court. Yeah, I, I got news for you. An attorney can bail out yeah. virtually any time he wants. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you can't. It, an attorney, it just says, I quit as long as he substitutes out. Uh, do, uh, do you happen to have a $5 bill on you by any chance? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, who's on the sure. $5 bill? Lincoln. Okay, and oh. do you know what happened in 1863? Uh, gee, uh, I have no idea. Okay, it was the Emancipation Proclamation, okay? You can't have slaves. Okay. And if someone doesn't want to work, you can't for uh, Okay. Now, uh, all right, so I'll hang up on him, but let me explain the reason I asked how close he is to a procedure. There will and there have been times when, and usually not in civil cases, certainly in criminal cases, and that's not the case here, where uh, there is a trial that is about to start, for example, and the attorney bails out, and the judge says, no, you're not leaving. You're going forward because I want this trial to go on. Let's say there have been a bunch of continuances, and I just don't care, or it's not a good enough reason. Uh, now, in civil trials, I mean, technically a lawyer can do that, but I've never heard of that happening. What the judge will do is continue the case, and so the attorney just subs out, says, I want out of here. You know, if the attorney thinks you're a liar, even if you're not a liar, if the attorney thinks you're a liar, uh, then goodbye. I mean, I wouldn't want to work with someone uh, that I think is a liar, even if you're telling the truth. All right. Uh, Let me share with you uh, something about Indeed.com. For many businesses, hiring is tough. And I've been hiring people for north of 30 years. So, boy, do I know this. And it's critical to choose the right place to post your jobs. Uh, I'm not interested anymore in long-term contracts or paying upfront fees to these search firms. I've done that. Uh, No, thank you. It's expensive. And what you need is qualified candidates. You want it fast. You want it on budget, which is why I'm telling you about Indeed.com, the world's number one job site. Independent research uh, shows that that Indeed delivers six-time more hires than any other job site. So you post your job in minutes, set up screener questions to help you zero in on those qualified candidates. You can review applicants, take notes, schedule interviews, all from this easy-to-use online dashboard. And Indeed is offering new users a $50 credit to make that first job listing a sponsored job. And that's premium visibility, so more candidates see your job offer. So you want to make a great hire fast, and this offer gives you a head start for sure. Find out why over 3 million businesses use Indeed for hiring. And to redeem this offer, 50 bucks, go to Indeed.com slash credit, Indeed.com slash credit. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Indeed.com slash credit. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, Rocio Rivera, did I get that right? Yeah, oh, you got it right. A miracle. All Lots right, uh, what's going on? <laughs> More stimulating talk as soon as I shut up. KFI and iHeartRadio station. Oh, turn up the band, fire.
Bill Handel. It is a uh, Saturday morning. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Hey, Thomas. Yes, sir. Thomas, you're up. Welcome. Yes, I'm having a dispute with a mortgage company involving impounds, and it's been going on for about a year. Numerous phone calls and letters have been sent. I finally reached a level that I think someone might be able to help me, but I am requesting that I be able to record the phone calls as they are requesting for me. And they are refusing to allow that. They then, say that only they are allowed to record. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not true. Only they are allowed. You say, fine, then you can't record it. That's I all. Uh, if uh, Cal- You're in California, right? Um, Wyoming. Wyoming. And I don't know about Wyoming whether or not it's a uh, single consent state. But there's two kinds of states. One is uh, recording without permission of both sides that one party can record without even telling the other party. And uh, then you have states like California where both sides have to consent to the recording. But uh, if they're asking permission to record, uh, then I guess, uh, you know, there's a a limit into Wyoming as to why or to the level they can record. And that is uh, they're saying, here it is. I'm asking your permission. You say, uh, hey, it goes both ways. You record, I record. And if you don't let me record, uh, then I am uh, not going to allow you to record. And then I record it anyways. Just don't use it in case they say we never said that because uh, that recording can be used to refute their argument or their lie. Can't be used for the underlying premise. Uh, But if uh, they're saying we never gave or we never gave you permission, that's a lie. And you have a recording that says, oh, yeah, Uh, that can be used in court just for the refutation. Sure, they're okay. refusing to go forward. Then tell them, well, that's a problem. Now, uh, let me ask you, why do you care if uh, everything you do, and they're going on the record saying, yep, this is what we'll do, this is what we'll do, what difference does it make? If they're if they're on the track of helping you out. Because well, otherwise they just, wouldn't, they just wouldn't help you out. Sure. It's been a progression for a year. All I've right. Then if they're if they're close, man, I, I not only would I let them record it if we're moving towards a resolution, uh, but I'd also cater lunch for them <laughs> and call the nearest uh, deli and say, OK, you've got pastrami sandwiches coming. So uh, but I'll tell you what you can do. You can write. You can memorialize everything that was said and written. Or sure. and, and you just simply write it down. But, you know, it's going your way. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, That's so uh, I don't think there's any here. harm, any foul. And uh, and if you say, for example, if they say something uh, that you want to give up certain rights, you make it very clear you say no. Go ahead and use that recording if you want, boys and girls. Uh Probably that's not the name of the mortgage company, boys and girls. But uh, go ahead and use this recording, uh, and you'll hear me say, no, you do not have permission to do A, B, or C. Well, as soon as I say that, they say we're not going any further. Then there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Then there's nothing you can do. If they're not going. If their deal is we're recording or uh, we're not going forward, that's their deal. Take it or leave it. I mean, now okay. we're talking practical. Okay, if they're going in the direction and uh, you are, see, think about this for a moment, is they're going to say something 
and but they're talking to you about resolving it. So it has to be all positive, maybe. All right, George, uh, you're up. Hi, George. Welcome to Handle hey. on the Law. Yes, sir. Hey, good morning, Counselor. I got a problem. Uh, I've got a uh, I've got a large boat, big twin engine, half cabin, three cab, three cabin boat. Uh, in a storage lot, and uh, so does another guy here. And we're both working on our boats. I've got one engine, still needs some work done on it. The boat is not ready to launch. This guy that owns or owns or rents, I don't know what he does, uh, this property here, came in yesterday and said, i got to get the boat out of here by the end of the month. Well, the boat isn't ready to launch. Right, I get it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost about five grand to move it down to San Diego Bay. And and the guy is really, you know, it's a game of chess, and he's got me into check. Well, no, Somebody he actually has- doesn't have you into check. No? No, I'll t- and I'll tell you why. There is, uh, with you renting the place, even if you're month to month, and he has the right yeah. to throw you out, uh, uh-huh. there's an implied contract here, George. Oh, really? Yeah, and he can't just arbitrarily say, get the boat out of here when it's going to cost you a fortune and you have to arrange people to pick it up. What if you can't even arrange people to pick it up? Literally, what if uh, you're the pickup boat people say we're jammed for two weeks? Yeah, what what does have. he do? So, no, he has to give you a reasonable amount of time to move the boat, especially under these circumstances. Okay. So uh, you just say, now, you just say, no, I can't. I need time to move it. You make a reasonable attempt to get it out of there as quickly as possible. Yeah. And if he then uh, takes the boat and brings in a company to haul it out, and yeah. which charges thousands of dollars, and I don't know yeah. where they're going to put and put it in some storage facility, uh, you let them know, I'm going to sue your ass off, and I'm going to win. I am going to win. You are in a world of hurt. This is punitive. Yeah. Uh, it, is. it is. Of course it is. Yeah. And, he can't, and he can't do that, George. can't do that under the law. There no, is there is, an imp- there is the implied contract. Not only do you have written contracts, uh-huh. uh, but within those contracts, especially if you have no contract, uh, you're yeah. month to month, and it probably doesn't talk about moving it, probably doesn't say one week notice. Uh, uh-huh. You have to get your out, uh, your boat out of there. Uh, you're, you're fine. Tell him to go pound sand. You'll be fine. And if he decides that he's going to move it anyway with uh, whatever and calls a company to move it, first of all, he's going to have to pay for that, obviously. Yeah. Well, on top of that, I'm a, I, I've been staying on the boat here. I mean, the boat's got everything on it. No, I understand, but it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Well, yeah, that's another argument. This is where I live, uh, and if he knows uh-huh. this is where I live, he's made, it's even worse. It's even oh, more really? capricious and more punitive. Yeah, you're going to be fine on that. Uh, okay. All right, Tony. Uh, hi, Tony. Welcome. Uh, You're up. Yeah. Uh, hi, Blink. Um, I can my, barely uh, hear you. You're not a, on a speaker, are you, Tony? Uh, I took it off. You took uh, uh, you took it off the speaker? Boy, yeah. you're Boy, you're muffled. Okay, uh, go for it. I'm sorry. So anyways, uh, my girl's parents, they're about in their 80s, and the, the father had a surgery done in his heart. So then uh, he owes the... Uh, the health insurance or the hospital, like, almost equivalent to what, what the house is worth. Their house is already paid. Now, he is making payments to the insurance company, I believe, 100 bucks a month or so. But if they sell the house, you think they can tax it? Yeah. not. They, what do you mean tax it? Can they take the well, money? They, they, they can hit it for the money. Yeah, they, they have to file a lawsuit, though, Tony, in order to do it. They have to do that. There has to be a judgment for them to take the money. Okay. Now, uh, what if they... Um, 
transfer the name of the house to somebody else in the That's family. here's the problem with that. If they do it in anticipation of a lawsuit or to avert creditors, that's that's fraud. That's creditor fraud. And you don't get away with that. Okay. Cuz otherwise everybody would. Right. You'd be transferring you'd be transferring property and bank accounts all day long. So as soon as possible, sell the house then? Uh, no, and, uh, I would just, uh, no, I'd leave it alone because uh, they're going to get a judgment or not get a judgment. And uh, is this is California, right? Right. Okay, so here's what normally happens uh, is uh, they're not going to get a judgment and go after the house. They're going to just simply ap- apply for Medi-Cal. Right. Yeah, they're going to uh, simply say he's broke, he has no assets, uh, or uh, he doesn't have enough assets. Now, it gets a little crazy because I think you have to put that you have no assets. And so uh, that becomes really problematic. But I think in most circumstances, and I know how Medi-Cal works, whether homes are exempt or not, uh, and it could be up to a certain limit. But, yeah, he's liable, uh, Tony. Why uh, didn't he have insurance? Uh, I don't I don't believe so. Okay. He, he All right. So, so he owns his own home, and he didn't have medical insurance. Right. So he's he's only half an idiot, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. So there was the answer there. But yeah, yeah, your assets are on the line. Uh so get lots and lots of insurance or hope for national uh single payer health care, which I've been advocating forever. Okay. Uh Equifax. Uh there's a story in the news, right? Uh hundred and forty three million people have had information, personal information hacked, or at least uh open to uh hacking and out there. Uh, credit card numbers, uh, personal data, social security numbers, I mean, all accessed. And with that information, of course, uh, these hackers can sell the information to people who uh, then establish credit in your name or clean out bank accounts. I mean, this is a god-awful mess. So I'll tell you what I do to protect myself in terms of identity theft, and that is I'm a customer of LifeLock and have been for so many more years than I've been telling you about this on this show. Uh LifeLock, not only does it monitor what's going on with your identity, your credit, uh, credit applications, but also alerts you if there's a problem or alerts you if anybody is inquiring about your credit or taking out an app. And then if your identity is, in fact, compromised, what they do is work to fix the problem. And this is something where you desperately need help if it turns out this happens to you. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction, every business, but LifeLock, LifeLock... Uh, is, in my opinion, the best company out there. So uh, for 10% off your LifeLock membership, go to LifeLock.com, promo code handle, LifeLock.com, promo code handle, or call 800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code, the code word handle. That's 800-LIFELOCK, code handle. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code handle. This is Handle on the Law. That is Amy King in the KFI Newsroom. Hey, everybody, this week on Home, it's Carpentry 101 Part 2, because every DIYer needs basic carpentry skills. Now, if I only knew an intelligent, well-spoken, ruggedly handsome carpenter who'd be willing to come on the show. Wait! Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. I only love and I love. Just twisted, boo, yeah, make me shy. 
KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday. Here's my headphones. Got all tangled. Good job, Bill. I'm doing this long enough to where I can hang myself. So that would be determined suicide as it goes around my neck. Except by accident, right? Well, I don't know the last time a guy in radio hanged himself. And uh, it wasn't on purpose. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, John, uh, welcome to the show. Hello, John. Hello. Yes, sir. I was uh, hired three months ago. I took a new job. I was given a, an offer letter with the, my salary and job expectation and all that. So it's all in writing. And, pardon? It's all in writing. Yes. Okay. And a couple of days ago, I was called into Human Resources, and they said, sorry, but you were actually hired at a different um, classification job, and your pay is actually this much. Okay, so and you, and you got less. Now, did you leave uh, any place? Did you, you, did you leave a job? Yes, I did. All right. I actually relocated. Relocated uh, based on this. Yeah, there's, uh, oh yeah, you got a workplace, uh, I, I would go to a workplace discrimination lawyer. Now, the problem becomes you're going to be out of a job. <laughs> that's okay. Okay, good. And that's the case. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. All right. If you're willing to do that, I think it's a hell of a case. And so okay. you you get to uh, go to the workplace discrimination attorney. Those that got labor, actually labor attorneys probably is uh, the best way to go. And we have them on the website. Go to uh, handleonthelaw.com and talk to one of those guys. Uh, yeah, they can't do that. that that's a no-no for sure. All right. Uh, hello, William. Oh, there you are. Uh, William, welcome. Yeah, hey, so I was wanting to know if I can sue a hospital for damages if they send a medical bill to collections that's still in dispute. Yeah, of course. Then you start disputing with the collection agency. Of course. Right, but if it goes to collections, doesn't that ding my credit? No, not unless uh, the collections agencies report the the ding. They have to ding it. So the collection okay. agency, I mean, they're not going to arbitrarily just say, okay, I mean, there's a dispute going on. And uh, I don't want to. I want to, I want to pay the bill. But then you tell them that you then you that's an uh, that is and you keep all of that in writing, and uh, you're you're arguing with a collections agency. It happens all the time. I mean, I've had those issues where uh, it was I had a bill that was wrongly turned over to a collection agency, and uh, they, you know, they argued with me. I argued with them. We went back and forth, and at one point, and we're not talking about a big bill. At one point, uh, someone called me from the agency said, if you don't pay this bill by Friday, for example, you have five days, then we're going to report it on your credit. And at that point, I remember what it was. It was like $600, $700. And I said, why don't you make it $100,000? What difference does it make? What you're saying, if I don't pay it, we don't we don't care anymore. We're going to ding your credit. So, so I, I, how much money, How much, William, how much money are you talking about? Well, they want to charge me $2,100. That's a lot of money. Okay, that's money. And uh, what are they charging you $2,100 for that you're disputing? Well, it was six sessions of physical therapy. The original bill was $2,800. was reduced to $2,100. But the key part was that they said, oh, there's a facility fee. Oh, God. They never told us about it. Yeah, I don't understand what a a facilities fee is. Yeah, I would dispute it. I would dispute it. And if they ding your credit, you, uh, you go ahead and... You um you sue them. Now, in the original retainer agreement, the contract, does it say facilities fee on there? 
Nothing. Okay, then you're fine. Then they're yeah, they can't charge facilities fee. That's crazy. They might as well say. Uh, and by the way, we're going to charge you X number of dollars for the electric bill uh, that we are sustaining. Right. Yeah, that's uh, so, that's crazy. So the main I, thing is, if it goes to credit, if it goes to credit, you have a loss. You have a lawsuit against them, and a pretty good one. Wow. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, it's not fantastic getting into it with a uh, collection agency. It's, there's almost no win ever. And the trick is to have a reasonable collector on the other side. And there are. There are. And if you're lucky enough to do it or to have one of those, you'll be fine. And if you're not, unfortunately, these guys are on commission. So if uh, they can extort you to pay 2100 or $1,500 uh, more than you what you actually owe, they're home free. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, this is uh, KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here. It is a uh, Saturday morning. Uh, it's a normal schedule after... Well, first of all, let me give you the phone number because we have a couple lines open. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Which, uh, how many times have you heard me say, top of the hour is always the best time to call? We should record that. Where I just press a button. Instead of uh, I have to actually utter the words. Maybe I'm going to keep my uttering to a minimum just so I can yell at you. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, uh, top of the hour, always the best time to call. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Now, uh, today is the normal schedule, uh, our normal lineup. Tomorrow gets uh, kind of interesting. So I want to share what's going on tomorrow. From 5 to 6 a.m., Elizabeth Espinoza, normal. Uh, 6 to 9 o'clock, Jesus Christ, uh, normal. Uh, home with Dean Sharp from 9 to 11. That's our normal uh, day part. Now, this one gets a little weird. 11 to 11.30 is Leo Laporte. So instead of three hours, you get half an hour of Leo. Then Chargers football from 11.30 to 5.30. But if you want to continue listening to Leo, you just switch over to the iHeartRadio oh, app. It. And you can continue listening to Leo right. on the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's, I forgot to tell that. iHeartRadio app, you can just keep on listening. And uh, But if you're going to listen to the iHeartRadio, I'd rather have you simply move over to the podcast and listen to this show a few more times. Uh, that would make me feel much better. All right, so uh, Chargers football, 1130 to 530. Mo Kelly from 530 to 6. Now, that one gets kind of interesting since he normally doesn't start until 6. So that half hour, you have to listen live. Uh, and then uh, he's going to do the rest of the podcast. And then uh, Rick Edelman from 6 to 7. And then Mo comes back. Uh, well, he's already broadcasting from 7 to 8. And then Brian Seuss. I don't even understand this. I have no idea what I just said. Uh, it's, yeah, fine. Yeah, whatever you say. Handle. Okay. 800-520-1-KFI. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal adve- uh, advice. Okay, now. Oh, God, do I love this. In France, I don't know if you knew this, but there is actually a gender equality minister. It's a cabinet position for gender equality. Like we have Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense, uh, we have Education Secretary, Housing, Urban Development, and then if we were in France, we would have gender equality, Secretary of Gender Equality. That's how insane it is over there. So, uh... 
Uh, Marlene Schiappa is uh, the new gender equality minister, and she has called for uh, legislation uh, in terms of uh, street harassment should uh, be turned into a criminal offense. All right. I just don't. And, and, and that makes sense because you want a certain level uh, where you go beyond that. It becomes street harassment. I'll, I'll buy that. And that should be criminal. Wolf wolf uh, whistling is now going to be part of it. She wants, if you have some guy with a French gal or a guy with a guy, depending uh, on how you're looking at it, wolf whistling at the other one, that's a crime. Can you imagine? Thank God it's not in Italy. Because everybody in Italy hits up on these women. Have you ever been to Italy? You know, it's every guy with the, the greasy hair. And I only say that because that's, you know, comb back. It's only because uh, I have known none. And uh, they nonchalantly throw the uh, the coat over the shoulder. You've seen that where they're holding on to one side of it. They're smoking a cigarette and saying, hey, baby, baby, baby. It's just a long story. Every time I saw that, I, go, I want to be that guy. Of course, I don't know if it helps or not. All right, let's just move on. Is that okay? So my, the, the point is the minister of, of gender equality. Go figure. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a uh, phone call here. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, all right. Uh, wow, it's so screwed up, this whole thing. All right, Todd, uh, let's start with you. Hello, Todd. About four and a half years ago, my wife was an executor of an estate for a friend, and uh, an alarm company had to be hired to put in an alarm system, which was defective. The parent company then took it over and put in the system, which we paid them, but the original company subsequently uh, put a uh, ding on our credit, and for four and a half years, it's been going on, and $458 has now become $1,600. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, First of all, I'm assuming you've been fighting it, right? Well, we've been, uh, other than telling them we're not going to pay. No, no, no. You have to, dis- if, it's, if it's on your credit, the first thing you have to do is dispute it. And you have to put a dispute on your record. So it shows that you owe, now this is personally you're talking about? Your wife is personally responsible? Uh, yes. Okay. They sued her personally. Got it. Okay. So uh, you want to dispute it. And uh, then you keep on writing them letters, and at some point you turn it over to an attorney because uh, there are now federal laws uh, that uh, you that these collection agencies can simply not extort you when there isn't anything legitimate. And you tell them this was uh, this was an estate uh, that I was the executor. It was a previous contract. I am not personally responsible. You can only go after the estate, which has already been distributed, and just put it all in writing. And uh, then if they say too bad and they don't remove it, uh, now you're also talking to uh, the reporting agencies, and there's three of them, uh, the three big ones, Experian, Equifax, and I think is it TransUnion? Are they still around? Uh, they keep on changing their names all the time. It is those three, and depending on which ones are reporting you, you let them know and you ask them to take it off. And then what happens is they – then uh, contact uh, that, uh, that organization, uh, whoever they claim you owe money uh, to. And if they say, yep, you owe the money, 
and uh, you want to ask for the contract, you want to ask for everything, and in the end, I mean, your debt, uh, your credit probably will get dinged, and you could probably negotiate for the original cost, by the way, at, at some point, especially out of the estate. Was the $400 out of, uh, did, did you know about it? Did your wife know about this $400 owing during the disbursement of the estate? Uh, no. Okay, so, uh, yeah, you want to... Uh, get aggressive with them, but in the end, uh, it's uh, it's going to be a fight with these people. And they have when they deal with your credit and reporting, they have enormous power, which is why if they've taken advantage, you have to go after them and, and after them. And there are lawyers who do exactly that. Oh boy! All right, Mary. Hi, Mary. You're up. Hello, hello. Hi, Bill. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm here in the city of Artesia, and it's a mess. They got a recall going on, and there's a lot of shady stuff going on here. So uh, what I want to do is I want to file a complaint against two of the city attorneys who came to our business under the pretext that they just want an informal meeting and just check out the business and walk it, walk through the property. Well, right at the beginning of that meeting, and by the way, there's an email that said that's all they want to do is informal. And then I decided I'm going to record this, and I recorded it. And they, again, said, this is informal. We're here fact-finding. You know, it's nice. It's, you know, we're not going to do anything, you know, weird. So anyway, they, boom, they pull up an inspector, an unlicensed engineering inspector. This guy has no credentials whatsoever. And at the very end of this meeting, this guy says, you are in. You are an infraction of the NTDS, which is a water pollutant thing. And I said, "What are you talking about?" Because we got heavy metals on the property. All right, go, fair enough. So, okay, okay so, so what happened? Can I file? Can I file? Well, were you? Oh, hold on a minute. File for what? I mean, were you? Well, fa- the, were you fined? Oh yeah, we're not. We're now three months later. They put us in a lawsuit. They're suing. Oh us. yes, yeah. I, here's a yeah. But yes, you can file. First of all, you want to appeal it. Uh, you you definitely want to appeal it. And the problem is, oh, no. you're going to appeal. They won't. They they won't even talk to us. How about we're, going to the city? Now, how about going to the city council? How about going to your local city under, council? The city council. The whole city council. Uh, three of the members are under recall. There's a recall petition. Well, for yeah, them. you got a problem on your hands. If everybody is, if everybody is part and parcel of these scams, uh, yeah. then you may have to go to court and file a we lawsuit are. against the city and argue the unlicensed guy. Uh, the fact that city attorneys going out. Uh, very, uh, that may even be illegal. I have no idea. And arguing now the the informal part, uh, is, uh, that doesn't matter if they discover something wrong, informal, formal, I don't think that really matters. Well, they, they made it up. Yeah, I understand. So you go to court, you go after the city. Well, that, that, that's a problem bill because we're looking at a $300,000 lawsuit because they're, they're suing us. And the property owner. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. But I can't file a complaint against the attorney. Yeah, to who? The state bar? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not. What's that going to do? Nothing. Right. Nothing. I just said I wanted to get it out there. All right. I'm trying to do everything that I can. Well, I I get it, but you're going to have to end up going to court, and um, there's there's not much. Hopefully, you can get someone on a contingency. Hey, everybody, this week on Home, it's Carpentry 101 Part 2, because every DIYer needs basic carpentry skills. Now, if I only knew an intelligent, well-spoken, ruggedly handsome carpenter who'd be willing to come on the show. Wait! Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday. And back we go. More Handel on the law. All right, Lisa. 
Hello, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Hi. I bought airline tickets at, in the early um, early August, and that was before Harvey hit. Yes. I bought them for a little over $1,000 for my husband and I to fly to Corpus Christi, which um, we were actually going to Rockport, which is about 10 miles from where it the center of it is and where it hit. We were going for a fundraising um, fishing tournament for autistic children. And I have contacted the airline, and we did buy um, non-refundable tickets. And we could prove that we were, or well, we could show them the fly, you know, the information that the fishing tournament was indeed canceled. So there is absolutely right. no reason for us. Yeah, do we have any recourse? Okay. Uh, first of all, I have a question to ask you. When you're going uh, to a fishing tournament, uh, tournament for autistic uh, children, do the fish not look at you? Um, correct. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't fish. My husband Oh, does. God, we should ask him that question. Uh, now, how much are they charging you to change the tickets? Okay. They, they're, we are getting nothing. No credit. Okay. Which all right. Now, zero. all right. Now, they probably can do that. If you look at when you purchase a ticket, there is a contract that has been written, and it comes out of the Montreal Convention, previously the Warsaw uh, these are international conventions that countries sign uh, that that when they regulate the airlines, and every airline is uh, regulated by their country. And so if you read the small print, there's probably something called force majeure, uh, which is act of God, effectively. And it says on a non-refundable ticket, or they can simply not go. They can just say too bad. Now, they can legally do that. Except what a bunch of bastards to do that. Lisa, that's the problem. Is while you theoretically uh, can. Uh, I think you can. You know what? I take them small claims anyway. Just for the hell of it. I mean, and hopefully the judge is so pissed off at them. Because they're going to. Someone's going to bring up uh, this international convention. The Montreal convention. Which covers all this crap. And is probably covering this. But it, it's. You know, the judge may get so pissed off. If I were the judge, I'd ignore everything and just give it to you and just say, if you don't like it, appeal it. And okay. uh, yeah, that's what I would do. And you're talking with a thousand bucks a pop. And uh, um, no, no, just a total of a thousand. To, yeah, and you shouldn't and you shouldn't have to suck it up. It's just a question. And the airlines are making money hand over fist. Yeah. And uh, well, to you- do this. OK, so let's do this. Which airline that did this? Oh, I'm ha- United. United oh. Airlines. OK. So now, uh, now I don't know that's what happened. I understand I'm taking your word for it. So to all of you folks and the lawyers who represent United Airlines, I don't know for a fact that this happened to Lisa. She may be lying through her teeth. She actually may be working for Delta, for all I know. I'm a teacher. Okay, well, it doesn't matter. On part-time, you can be working for Delta. I have no idea. But what a bunch of bastards if this is true the only thing better is not only are we not going to refund your money next time you do fly on united we guarantee we're going to drag you down the aisle and throw you off the airplane <laughs> correct all right take care uh, yeah oh yeah i'd, I'd still go i take it small claims court uh you know I, I, who would not force a refund under those circumstances even though if technically within the letter of the law that you can't understand anyway, you ever, when there were paper airplane tickets, and this goes a ways back, you had to actually have these tickets, you would read uh, in microscopic print 
what the terms of the treaties are and what they have to do and not do. All right. Uh, let's uh, spend a moment talking about the Equifax breach. Boy, was this big news uh, last week. Uh, Equifax, or a couple of weeks ago, announced a breach uh, that uh, affects 143 million Americans. Half of us are affected by this breach. And here's what ha- can come out of that. Uh, your credit card numbers are out there. Personal data. Social security numbers uh, for hundreds of thousands of customers. And that's when the hackers had just started. And so what do you do to protect yourself? This is all identity theft. That's a big issue. And uh, someone establishing credit in your name and going into your bank accounts. Well, let me tell you about LifeLock. LifeLock is a company that uh, protects me and my entire family. Even if there is a credit inquiry, they're going to let me know. They alert, and they have, by the way, they alert uh, they monitor, alert, and if your identity is compromised, if my identity is compromised, then LifeLock gets to work to fix the problem. And you don't want to do that by yourself. That's a nightmare. You've heard of that on this show. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction, every business. But LifeLock, uh, in my opinion, is the best, which I've been why a customer for so many years. Uh, use the promo code HANDLE. Uh, go to uh, LifeLock.com. Com, promo code handle for 10% off your membership lifelock.com promo code handle or uh, call 800 lifelock and say uh, handle 800 lifelock and simply say handle this is handle on the law amy king in the kfi newsroom if you've been waiting for more stimulating talk here it is kfi and iheart radio station KFI AM uh, 640 handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Uh, More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. That's Deloy. Is that a name? Deloy. I've never heard that one. Loy. L-O-Y? Yep. Oh, wow. There's no, uh, wow. No Roy. No, 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 Loy Roy. Okay, people use that a lot of times. I'll bet. Uh, All right, Loy, what can I do for you? Well, I had a company and a partner, and we had a, uh, employees. And uh, the end of uh, 2015, we lost our last employee, and we had uh, uh, health insurance for company health insurance for our employees and everything. So I terminated the the insurance in December of that year, and uh, the next end of the next year. Uh, we got a bill from the insurance company saying, hey, we owed them for of course. January payment. Yeah. And I said, we we terminated it. Right. And he says, well, you didn't give us a 30-day notice. Uh, so you got it. So you got I, na- you got nailed for one month. Yes. And because uh, you didn't not because the contract says 30 days notice, probably. Yeah. And I gave him maybe 25 or something. Yeah. Like that's a, how much money do you owe, John? Uh, $1,900. Okay. And this is uh, on behalf of the company, correct? On behalf of the company. You, you right. have no personal liability, John. Oh. You have no, okay. just say, go after the company. By the way, it's bankrupt. Well, it's, it went out of business. Okay, we then it's out of business. Same thing. In, uh, uh, if there's no company left to sue. And if you go okay. after me personally, and I don't even think you have to say this, if they file a lawsuit against you personally for a corporate debt of which you are not responsible for, then uh, there are sanctions. It's malicious prosecution. I mean, this gets crazy. Uh, and so the, the issue that brought it up was my partner called me, uh, and he got a call from the collection agency saying 
that he owed this money personally, and and he said it's a corporation, right? And so, so what's your question? Well, can they ding his credit? Yeah, he God help them if they do. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, come on. For example, uh, if um, I close down a company and uh, all of a sudden you have these creditors going after me personally, why do you think corporations exist? Well, that's what I was. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. If they, if they, in fact, uh, go after, if there's a collection agency, uh, you want to get a lawyer letter or say I've, uh, you know, I've consulted with a lawyer. Never mention my name, by the way, John. Yeah. Ever, ever mention my name if you've consulted because I don't want the other side laughing out loud. Uh, okay, in your face, which they do. So uh, let them know that you're going. That are going after an individual for a corporate debt of which there is no responsibility. And if they want to do that, it is malicious prosecution. There is okay. no question about it. You know, I got one of those, incidentally, uh, when uh, I was involved in, in a lawsuit with crazy people who ended up uh, suing uh, the corporation, my corporation. And, of course, uh, we went to court in one twelve zero. I mean, the, everybody wondered, what, where were you going on? It was a crazy lawyer who decided because I'm a public figure, I was going to cave and I wouldn't go to court. And man, you know, I go to court, especially when it comes to this frivolous stuff. I have no problem going to court. And so they lost a zillion. uh, Well, uh, we ended up settling for hundreds of thousands of dollars that we got after the case uh, because it was so crazy. Anyway, so they were suing me for stuff personally on behalf of the corporation. And part of the reason we got such a large settlement is we let them know this is a corporate debt. Went after me personally. We let them know it's a corporate debt. Went after me personally. It took a motion for me to get out of that case as an individual. And the judge looked at the plaintiff and said, what are you doing? And it was in front of that judge that the case was held. Yeah, that's dangerous stuff. That's crazy. And what did we sue them for? Malicious prosecution when it was all over. And they settled hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, there. All right. Uh, here we are with Devin. Hello, Devin. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi there. Uh, we, we, I went to a court for uh, a restraining order, but we never saw the judge. So there was a mutual stay of the order. Done by a mediator. Okay, wait a minute. You went to court for a restraining order and a mediator got involved? The judge didn't? The judge never, well, that was a temporary uh, restraining order. Okay, but it was signed by a judge. That was the first one. That was the first one. Okay, so you got got a restraining order and then you went to mediation? When I went for the trial, there was a mediator saying in front of, instead of seeing the judge, why don't you come to some? Yeah, I get it. All right. So the mediator, so the judge moves it over to mediation. You sit there, and uh, the mediator tries to work it out. Uh, I'm assuming it right. didn't. It wasn't worked out, right? It was worked out. Nothing. Nothing happened. We went our ways. Okay. But the problem is on the order. There is no explicit time frame that I should stay away. From oh, I got it. So it, now it was. Now it was. A, wait, but if it was a temporary restraining order, there is a time frame. That's what temporary restraining orders are. They're temporary. Yeah, but- yeah, but that expired on 22nd. Then of you're August. done. Then you're done. Right. But so my, what's your question? My question is, my question is uh, there was a mutual stay away order. All right. And I, was it I permanent? Stay away from work. And was but it permanent? Came, it wasn't permanent. 
so my question is, can I go to, go back to that meeting after ninety days and like, surprise? Sure, you, you go back to court. Yeah, you're not going to go in. You're not going to go to the mediator. You're going to go back to court, and you're going to either extend it or ask that it be adjusted. Sure, you can always go to court. No, no, she will. She will go to the court because she she, she can go to court. Devin, I don't understand your question. My question is, there is no explicit time frame on the stay of You just order. heard what I said. If it's a temporary order, there must be a time frame. And if it is a permanent order, then you have to stay away from each other. I don't understand your question. You want to ask it one more time? Okay, it's not a permanent order. It's not a permanent order. What's your question? Can I go back to that same meeting that I she made? No, you can't go to a mediator. You have to go in front of a court to get no, a court no, order. No, no, AA meeting. I said, can I go An back AA to meeting? meeting? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And now we have an AA meeting involved. So, you know, good. Was he drunk at the time? Is he drunk now? This is Handle on the Law. All right, Amy King, some news from the newsroom. On the next dark secret place, well, things sure seem to be progressing with North Korea. How close are we to a actual thermonuclear war in the Korean Peninsula? We will get down to brass tacks and what to put in your bug out bag. Also, just to lighten the mood, some wacky sound effects. The dark secret place. Tonight at 10. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Oh, yes. Back we go. More Handel on the law. All right. Uh, Lee, kind of interesting. Hello, Lee. Uh, you're up. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Morning, Bill. Yes, sir. I have, I have a pending small court case in... Uh, uh, next month, I handed a chipped cat. She's chipped in my name. It's my legal property. Okay, chipped in the sense of it's chipped away? Oh, no, you have a chip in the cat. I, I've, I envision a sculpture of a cat that's been chipped away. That was just a, that was just a sort of visual I had. Okay, so you right, have a cat right, that's right. chipped, and it has all of your personal information on there, so it's easy to prove it's yours, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. I handed it to him. The deal was it was an oral agreement. He was going to hold on to her for a week. He got in trouble with his property manager because he can't keep a cat in his He gave the cat away to somebody. He texted me that he did as, as much. He said, I took Callie to a place far away where she'll be cared for. And okay, do you, know where, do you know where the cat is? Actually, I do. It's a friend of his. Okay, fair enough. And your, a... question, and your question is... Okay, in my lawsuit, I'm asking for specific performance. Won't do it. And small the, claims the court, court, they small claims court, they won't do it. They won't do nope, it. Nope, it's only money damages. Because what you're asking, it's not specific performance, by the way. Specific performance is different. What you want is a court, just an order. 
an injunction, if you will, or a, a mandatory order from the court. Specific performance has to do with contractual issues, and this is not a contract issue. So, uh, uh, and it has to do with uh, usually real property, and it has to do with it's. It's a little complicated in terms of what's not fungible and unique properties and specific performance. But There's what all you kinds of terms like bailment and things like yeah, that. yeah, no, that's, you know, yeah, just to hear you, what you you have to, unfortunately you have to go to a, a superior court judge. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, and you have no so, choice. And and if ask. Get, if, if, excuse me. I'm sorry. If if the if the judge agrees with me, I mean, because this is a slam dunk. I, I understand, mean, but it's a it. small claims court. The court, the right. small claims court, doesn't issue specific performance orders. They can't do it. Okay. And all so they can do is issue money damages. Why don't, you, why don't you just kidnap the cat back? <laughs> you know. I know where she is. Yeah, grab the cat. Do I don't want to jump a fence and break a window and do all that stuff. I, you know, I'm going to go to jail. I'm Does, not going to do that. Uh, yeah, no, he probably will. So there's no way, uh, for example, the cat is ever out. It's an inside cat. It's an inside yeah, cat. Yeah, you have a problem. You may have to go to court. There's no there's no yeah. other way of doing it. And it's a drag, okay. but that's the way it goes. And, you know, right. I can understand. But small claims court is money damages. That's it. Money damages. The value of the cat. And for those of you that are cat or dog lovers, uh, then, uh, you know, what's the value of the cat, especially a mutt, right? There is no value. Uh, although, of course, for you, it's invaluable. For me, I don't know. I had a dog for 15 years. How much uh, do you think that dog is worth? I don't know. Yeah, $80 maybe, right? Yeah, 90 Oh, yes. Grace. Hello, Grace. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Grace, are you there? Or maybe it's Stephen. Stephen, is that you? Okay. I, all right, I, Grace, I, there you are. I need help with uh, finding a lawyer that would sue another lawyer for, okay. for not performing their duties. What was their duty that they didn't perform? Um, It was an estate... That needed to be done properly. Okay, and it wasn't done properly, right? No. Okay, did people lose money, or is it money is still hanging out there? My money is still hanging out there. All right, and you want to sue to get your money? I want to sue to get my money and all the things that he didn't do. Like what? Uh, How were you screwed over? Well, there were a lot of pieces of property that weren't evaluated properly. That should have been in my aunt. All right, how much? How much you think? uh, How much money was lost? How much money did you lose? Oh, I'd say uh, maybe $2 Aha! Uh-huh. Okay, it's time for you to get a trust and estate lawyer, as in right now, Grace. Okay. All right? All right. Trust and estate lawyer, and that's not going to be a problem suing, uh, f- finding a lawyer that's willing to sue another lawyer. Uh, for, actually, it's malpractice more than anything else. Why don't you talk? Legal malpractice is more like it. Forget trust and estate. So probably uh, confer because it's uh, there's all probably all kinds of technicalities involved. But in terms of what has done, I'm sure there are machinations uh, involved with this. So uh, you want a, a legal malpractice attorney who then will probably bring in a trust and estate lawyer for consultation. Legal okay. malpractice. You can go to the website. Right. Uh, handleonthelaw.com, and that's who you need. $2 million. That's a lot of money to get screwed out of, Grace. It was. Yep. And- yep. Okay. Uh, how long ago was this, incidentally? Um, It's been three years. Oh, you're fine. Was. No, you're fine. You're fine, Grace. Okay. Don't worry about it. Yep. $2 million. I, I wonder why people call me uh, for issues of two, three, four million dollars. I'm a lot more comfortable with the phone company screwed me out of $8.67. What do I do, Bill? 
My neighbor has one branch hanging over my wall. What do I do, Bill? Two million dollars. Actually, it's the same. There's no more. It's it's the same. Twenty thousand, two hundred thousand, two million dollars. It's just a question of at what point is it big enough for a lawyer to get involved? That's really where it's at. How often have I said, yeah, there's absolute negligence. Yes, they screwed up. You don't have enough damages. No lawyer's going to touch it. $2 million they touch with both paws and don't let go. And it's bear hugs. This is Handle on the Law. AM uh, 640 handle here on a Saturday morning. Uh, two more hours to go before Leo Laporte comes aboard. And then the Fork Report, all things food. Mo Kelly, uh, 6 to 8. Uh, Monique Marvez tonight, 8 to 10 o'clock, driving her BMW. And Brian Suits with a dark uh, secret place. Okay, that's our Saturday lineup. And the phone numbers, we have a couple phone calls, uh, a couple lines open, as we always do. 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. Uh, Drunk driving is an easy one, right? Everybody knows uh, how to deal with drunk driving. They've been dealing with drunk driving for 100 years You've got the breathalyzer test, you have the drug test, uh, you have the blood test, and of course you have uh, the test, uh, the sobriety test, where you walk uh, a line, which I would fail in about six seconds, because I have absolutely no balance whatsoever. And if you ever work around here, and I'm not exaggerating, uh, ask anybody, I actually will walk down the hall and I will hit the wall. It's like I'm blind. I have no balance. So... If there ever was a sobriety test where I'm accused of drunk driving, and I don't drink, so that makes it easy, uh, I would just, uh, the thought of walking a line, eyes closed, is beyond comprehension. And then the same thing when it comes to balance, you know, taking, uh, touch uh, the tip of your nose with your finger. I would be touching the cop's nose with my finger before I'd be touching mine. So uh, all of those I'd fail. But breathalyzer, I'm passing, and of course uh, the blood test, I'm passing. So how does that connect with what happened in Massachusetts? Well, here is the problem, because marijuana, driving while under the influence of marijuana, is sort of up in the air. And uh, you don't know, and they can't do a test, a field test, to see if you're high on marijuana. Now, they can do, uh, which it really doesn't affect or may not necessarily affect. So let me tell you what the highest court in Massachusetts did. They rode, uh, ruled that field sobriety tests that are used in drunk driving cannot be used as conclusive evidence that a motorist is operating under the influence of marijuana. They don't necessarily connect. It has not yet been established that if you're high on grass, you're going to fail a sobriety test as a matter of course. If you are drunk, you will. But if you are high on grass, not necessarily. So uh, the Supreme Court said that police officers 
can testify as to their observations about how a person performed. Yep, he tried to walk a line. No, he fell off the line two, three times or three times. Uh, Yes, uh, he tried to maintain its balance and he couldn't. However, they can't say, did they pass or did they fail? They cannot go in there and say a, a sobriety test failed when it comes to marijuana. Why? Because the judge judges said there is no scientific test for marijuana impairment. When are you impaired when you're high on grass? No one knows. And there's no test for it. Now, impaired legally on an alcohol, it's 0.08. And in a lot of states, it's 0.05. And if you're a minor driving, it's point zero 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 one. I mean, minors just cannot have any alcohol at all. So it's illegal to drive under the influence even of marijuana. You can't be driving under the influence of anything that impacts the driving. However, there's no way to test to see if marijuana is in fact connected to an impairment because there's no way to test that. So what's the takeaway here? Recreational marijuana is legal in Massachusetts. Get as high as you want and drive all you want. Just don't cross the state line. And don't forget to stop at uh, the Haagen-Dazs store uh, or Ben & Jerry's on the way out. Why state line? You know how crowded those state line, those uh, Ben & Jerry's stores are right at the state line? All right. Uh, let's take some uh, phone calls. All right. Uh, Nancy. Uh, hello, Nancy. Hey there, Bill. Yes, ma'am. Um, Hi. Listen, um, I have a cousin that uh, has requested me to send. I live in California, obviously. So uh, uh, we have some Marinol here that's legal. And he requested that I perhaps send him Okay, Marinol being uh, marijuana, it's uh, medical marijuana, correct? Right, in okay. form. Uh-huh. All right. And that's, per, yeah. per, and that's per a prescription, correct? It's per prescription, All right. Yes. So he wants you to send Marinol over uh, to him. Yes, in, in Illinois in about a week or so. Well, how about let's just start with it's illegal for you to send any prescription drugs to someone, uh, your prescription, giving it, sending it, selling it. You can't do it. So you've already okay. broken the law the second you put something in the mailbox or FedEx to right. your buddy over there. So right, okay. so right there, that stops it. Okay. And then we go on is importation uh, is, I don't know if medical marijuana is legal, but even if it is legal, your friend has to have a prescription for the medical marijuana. You're not allowed to send it to him. It has to be a dispensary. So uh, you're screwed. Okay. So don't even, don't even pretend to do it. Okay. Otherwise, you're just dead in the water. That's when conversations start, uh, stop immediately. Early days of my surrogate parenting, when we used to use artificial insemination instead of the in vitro fertilization, and a man would artificially inseminate the surrogate. And so I, it, it was very controversial. And so uh, obviously the man had to produce, produce a sperm specimen to artificially inseminate, uh, well, I had to produce sperm to artificially inseminate uh, a surrogate mother. I would actually debate uh, various religious people and debate uh, medical ethics people as to whether surrogacy was ethical or not. Of course, that was a zillion years ago. And whenever I came to, for example, I remember one Catholic Monsignor who was up there talking about surrogacy and whether it's eth- ethical or not, the conversation stopped at masturbation. 
That's it. Conversation over. You can't do it. The rest of it doesn't matter. Did I just connect masturbation with medical marijuana? Well, there actually could be a... No, we're not going to go there. All right. Mike is waving and saying, nope, nope. Let's just keep it. You get hungry. All right? Okay, John, you've been waiting there for a zillion years. What can I do for you? Bill, I got a ding on my credit from a collection agency for an account in Southern or, or in Northern California, a cable account that was not in my name. It's not my address. They won't take it off. They say that the cable company has to. And the cable company wants me to fill out all these forms, get it notarized, and pay $25 for a police report. Yeah, uh, you know, John, so someone is basically identity theft. Someone has taken your name, I'm assuming, correct? But it's not my name. But it's not even your the name. Only, the, the only connection to me is my Social Security number. Well, that's enough, John. My guess is that's yeah. enough. So uh, here, here are your choices. Uh, you do all that, or you fight the wrong ding. And, uh, you get, and that's going to take you 10 times more hassle. More time and more effort to fight it. As big as a pain in the rear end this is, big as a pain in the ass, John, this is one of those issues where you look at it's worse or worser. Okay. And it's just a practical issue. 25 bucks, but, uh, that'd but be... I, I asked the cable company, I know. do you require a social security number for a new account? They said yes. Okay, so, so that they can verify their identity. I get it. I get it. And the, and, the, the and, the, and the cable company won't do anything about it, Correct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's, it's, Unless I file this. Re- yeah, I know. I know. But it's it's one of those things where, I mean, just you do it because it's less of a hassle than dealing with it. I mean, you're not getting dinged for hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's, uh, it's you know, just do it. You know, it's just at, at what point you just, it's like I used to get letters from the IRS for 200 bucks. I would call my accountant who say, it's going to cost you more money for me to call the IRS than you writing a check for $200. By the way, they were all scams and I still paid them. Because I didn't know they were scams. And uh, then my, I, I looked at it and I go, my God, this was really good. And my accountant actually did call the IRS because they were coming in too often. Yep, they're scams. And I am pretty sophisticated when it comes to scams. I mean, only once have I let a Nigerian dictator come into one of my accounts. This is Handle on the Law. Amy King, what's going on? Hey, everybody. This week on Home, it's Carpentry 101 Part 2, because every DIYer needs basic carpentry skills. Now, if I only knew an intelligent, well-spoken, ruggedly handsome carpenter who'd be willing to come on the show. Wait! Home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Tomorrow morning at 9 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM uh, 640. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning. Uh, line still open. We had a few. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. Welcome back to Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Maribel. Hello, Maribel. Welcome. Hi. Good yes. Morning. I am a former employee of Kaiser Permanente. Okay. Uh, 13 years. 
Um, I was uh, fired. You were fired uh, from was, Kaiser. Uh, yes. Why? Because they put down because you didn't kill enough people? <laughs> no, the problem was that um, I was going through a personal hardship and um, I affected my attendance. And um, they had me sign a paper stating that um, they would give me the option to uh, resign in lieu of termination. Ah. And they said I would be eligible for rehire after a year. So I did. I uh, reapplied and I get emails and letters stating that I am no longer eligible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A couple of things. Uh, First of all, I was joking about Kaiser. I've been a member of Kaiser since I've been five years old. And my wife has been a member of Kaiser since she's been one. We're huge fans of Kaiser, except, of course, they kill everybody. They kill 50% of the time. You go in, I've got a cold or something. Sort of a, it's a coin flip as to whether I'm going to survive or not. Uh, So here is uh, what happened. You should have let yourself be terminated because then you collect unemployment uh, because it wasn't for cause. And so that was the first mistake. uh, Because if you leave, uh, you're not, if you voluntarily leave, you're not entitled to... uh, not entitled to, um, uh, not my God that I just forget. Uh, not what's, Oh my God. I can't believe my mind. Unemployment. unemployment. Yeah. Oh, good God. My mind is going. What's my name real quick. Cause I forgot. Uh, yeah, thank you. That helps a lot. Okay. So, uh, that's one problem. The other problem is you may be considered for rehire and then they change their mind. That is, if that has no connection to the firing or you resigning where there's a, a, effectively a contract that says, if you do this, then this will happen. If they said it's, you may be considered for rehire. And so no, they said I would. Okay. And then they say they wouldn't, which is kind of stupid because they should have put you in there and then just said, no, you're not going to rehire. All right. So now you get to find out uh, what, what kind of damages you have. You want to talk to an employment discrimination lawyer, but I don't think you're going to go very far. I really don't, Mirabelle, because the worst, you're not going to get much damages. The worst probably that happens or the best is you are, uh, they're forced to rehire you uh, based on uh, the the based on the fact they said you would be eligible for rehire, but then you have to prove that you would have been rehired. You see, there's, there's a couple of issues there. So uh, the, the least you can do uh, or the least uh, advice I can give you is talk to a uh, work uh, employment discrimination attorney, see if there's anything there. I'm not one man. I don't even know what an employment is. Obviously I'm not one. And uh, so that's what I would do is just get on the horn, go on the website, handle on the law dot com and just uh, pick up the phone and go, hey, I've got a question. Handle said A, B, C and D. We both know he's wrong. Uh, so uh, can you help me and give me uh, the better advice? All right. Uh, let's talk about Equifax. Uh, Equifax. Uh, boy, what a bunch of news that was a couple weeks ago. Announced a breach that could affect 143 million Americans, half of us. Credit card numbers are out there. Personal data, including social security numbers, which is the worst of all. Uh, Workplace numbers, addresses. So now it's like shooting fish in a barrel. Uh, These uh, identity thieves get hold of that information, establish credit in your name, uh, clean out bank accounts, uh, of course, steal your identity, become you. So how do you deal with this? Well, let me tell you how I protect myself and my entire family, all four of us, because everyone's susceptible as an individual. And so we use LifeLock. And what LifeLock does is monitor 
then alerts you if there is an issue, even a credit inquiry, which they've done for me a couple of times this, uh, this last uh, year. And then if there is a problem with your identity is compromised, they then work to fix that problem. And believe me, you need help on that one if it ever happens. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor every transaction at every business. But LifeLock, uh, in my opinion, is certainly the best, which is why I've been a customer for so long. So go to LifeLock.com and use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your LifeLock membership. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK and say HANDLE for that 10%. 800-LIFELOCK and say HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the law. Okay, Amy King, you're up. Thanks, Handel. Hey, it's Neil Saavedra. Join me for the second annual Thanks Grilling event. Saturday, October 14th at Outdoor Elegance in Laverne. We'll share tips for grilling your holiday feast, food samples, and drawings for great stuff. It's free, but you have to sign up at KFIAM640.com, keyword Thanks Grilling. Brought to you by The Butchery Meats and Fire Magic Grills. KFI. And iHeart Radio Station. What if I was made? KFI AM uh, 640, Bill Handel on a uh, Saturday, right up until 11 o'clock. Oh, yes. Welcome back to Handel on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, David, uh, welcome to the show. Hello, David. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm good. What can I do uh, for you? Go for it. I got some parts, bought some parts out of Arkansas for a recreational vehicle, uh, remanufactured parts. Came with a warranty and such. They uh, they showed up and they didn't work. Now I can't get a hold of the phone. Yeah. And I can't get my money back. I can't honor the warranty. Is there okay. Oh, I can do? Yeah. What, what kind of parts uh, were they, David? For what? The uh, the refrigerator on an RV is uh, right. this crazy ammonia. Okay. So you're getting parts. Okay. Uh, yep. the, a, a, I have a, a couple of responses to that. And number one, out of Arkansas. Uh, Aren't all the parts, uh, don't they all use possum fat uh, as a lubricant? Do I have yeah, that right? I, 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 I okay. Yeah, that's correct. Excellent. That correct. And then the other question I have for you, have you ever heard of a credit card? Uh, well, there, there's where you're going to make fun of me, and I'm, I'm prepared for it. So their credit card machine was down, and they was not 50 bucks off if we could just do the wire transfer. What does that tell you? What the- does that tell you, my man? Okay, credit card machine is down. Please wire the money to a company that you've never heard of that's in Arkansas where they're going to eat squirrel soup for dinner. Or is that squirrel sandwiches? Uh, where? All right, so how much How much money are you out? $425. It, it may have cost you $425 to learn that lesson, David. Uh, you can keep okay. on going. Um, you can try. But if they're not even answering your phone calls, uh, I don't know where you're going to go. It's going to go. What are you going to do? Fly back to Arkansas and file a small claim suit, or file a small uh, claim suit in California, and then have it served in Arkansas, and you have to pay a process server. And a lot of uh, a lot of courts don't even recognize small claims lawsuits out of state. Uh, so I, my guess is you're pretty screwed, my man. You can keep on doing it. Uh, but I don't think it's going to go anyplace. I guess you just you just written, they've just written off four hundred and twenty five dollars. I think, and all you can do, I mean, legally, there's no place to go. It would cost you ten times more to do anything legally on this one. 
And you're right, I am going to make fun of you. And you're right, you're four kinds of an idiot. And you're right, and you're right. Okay, what's the lesson here? Always pay for everything on a credit card. I don't believe in debit cards at all. Why? Because if someone grabs that money, it's gone. And now you're chasing after your money. If it's a credit card, then you have the credit card company. And if you argue you've been defrauded, they're going to look into it. And if you've been screwed, I mean, literally, if the credit card was taken, identity theft, uh, then what happens is the credit card companies, they eat it. The law says they eat it except for 50 bucks. And I've never even heard of a credit card company uh, charging anybody 50 bucks. They eat the whole thing. And it's happened to me several times. I do have a debit card, and it has all of $500 on it. I use it whenever I'm out of town and, I, and I'm out of cash. And I need it, I'll go to an ATM and pull out 200 bucks. Other than that, it's disastrous. So don't send money orders. I wouldn't even know where to get a money order. Where the hell do you get? I guess Western Union? Oh, that, the bank. Yeah, that's true. You can go to the bank. Uh, I don't think of money orders. I think of certified checks. I think of wire transfers. I don't think of money orders. I think of money. Now we're back to uh, Possum Fat in Arkansas. I think of money orders as something you'd go to Western Union for or one of those transferring money uh, to Mexico where you have family, you're illegal, you have to transfer money, they charge you 46%. All right. Uh, Nick. Hi, Nick. Yes. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, Bill, I have a question, actually, actually uh, kind of advice from you. Uh, in about six years ago, I was uh, trying to file a bankruptcy, and uh, I found the company. I paid them um, about $1,800. You, uh, you're talking about a, a lawyer or a legal firm that yes, does bankruptcy? Yeah. It's a law, no, no, it's a law firm. Okay, and that was six years ago? Yes, it was uh, six years ago. Yeah, that, now already we've got a big problem, but go ahead. Yeah, and my question is, uh, I'm in a situation right now, actually, uh, Thinking, uh, is it possible I can get money back or money is gone? No, money's gone. How much did you pay him? Eighteen hundred dollars. Okay. Uh, is there any particular reason you didn't call me six oh seven years ago? Now, is there any particular reason you haven't called me in the last seven years and you waited this long? No, I tell you why. Because after when I uh, tried to file it, uh, after a couple of years, I found a job. Oh, and, and you, didn't, and you didn't have to go bankrupt. Okay, I get it. All right, uh, yeah. understood. I mean, that's that's reasonable. But no, it's uh, it's a little late for that by several years. So. Uh, you're out $1,800, but the good news is you're not bankrupt. All you did is get screwed out of $1,800. And uh, which one is better? Uh, I don't know. All right, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Welcome boy. to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. Hey, so I got a uh, situation, and I'm just trying to confirm whether or not I have some standing, and I meet the threshold where a lawyer may be interested in picking up on my case. So the background, wife has... Uh, cancer, been battling it for a couple years, had a mastectomy, um, had another issue come up, so there was some time between that and when she could get uh, reconstruction done. And and during that time, we found uh, a doc that didn't do insurance. Uh, He's a prominent guy. Uh, Most of his stuff is cash only. Um, Yeah, most most plastic surgeons are, although I would think reconstructive surgery would be part and parcel of the mastectomy. Uh, so it becomes right. a medical issue. I don't think that's considered. Pl- I mean, it is plastic surgery, clearly, but uh, I don't think it's considered uh, 
elective plastic surgery. I think it's within the confine of the mass cystectomy. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So it was authorized by an insurance Got company. it. All right. So this, this guy didn't do insurance. But uh, in order for us to move forward, we had to pay for it in advance, and he committed to helping us with our claim after uh, the fact. Okay. So why, if okay. since you had insurance, just a quick question, why would you go right. to a doctor that doesn't accept insurance since you had insurance? Because of the doc and... Okay, his, because of his reputation. Okay, got it. His reputation. reputation. Fair enough. All right. So And, you know, the situation I wanted to do for my wife, right? Based on all right. All right. Fair enough. Okay, I, got, so, I got it. Okay. Um, after the fact, we file it. We initiated a claim with the insurance company, and we're hitting the doc up for uh, doctor's note. All the documents required for the claim. And we're getting delayed, delayed, delayed. He turns around and files a claim, even though we signed a contract with him saying we had to pay in advance. He didn't do All right. So what's your question? Okay. He collects on the claim. The insurance company cancels our claim, goes with his. He doesn't pay us. All right. So so, Okay, that's easy. That's easy. Uh, What you've done is he screwed you out of the money. The difference between what the insurance he got from the insurance company versus what you had to pay. It's an easy equation. It's a mathematical equation. So how much right. money did it cost you out of pocket? Twenty-five grand. Holy and moly. That's not even a small claim suit, obviously. No. no and no. so uh, clearly you're going to have to sue the doctor. Uh, clearly uh, he's committed, uh, from what you say, he's committed uh, insurance fraud, clearly. Correct. Uh, he is not Correct. helping you. As a matter of fact, uh, he's exacerbating the insurance fraud because he once you're making claim, he has a duty to turn over all of the medical records, every one of them. Those are your right. medical records. They don't belong to him. They're yours or your wife's right. in this case. Uh, so it's certainly a complaint with the insurance company for insurance fraud, although that's not you. It's between the two of them. And then right. uh, lawsuit. Now, I guarantee you that there is an arbitration clause that you signed with the doctor. Uh, so you can't sure. go to court. It's going to be binding arbitration. And there probably is a prevailing party uh clause which means the prevailing party pays all of uh the legal costs so it's time for you to have uh, it's time for you to go to a uh, it wouldn't even be a medical malpractice because that didn't occur any civil attorney uh who uh, this is a breach of contract is what this is and find out where you stand because it's not ten thousand dollars not small claims court it's twenty five thousand dollars you're dealing with an arbitration clause uh, you're dealing with a prevailing party uh, paying the lawsuit clause, which helps you, uh, assuming that the case is as strong as you portray it. So uh, how's your wife doing, by the way? Uh, she's doing much, much good. better. This is a couple years removed. From okay. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad. Now, if yeah. it were yeah. my wife, I'd be screaming. I'd, it'd be the $25,000 that all I cared about. And so <laughs> I yeah, good for you. Uh, not so good for me. This is Handle on Law. Okay. Amy King with a news update. On the next dark secret place, well, things sure seem to be progressing with North Korea. How close are we to a actual thermonuclear war in the Korean Peninsula? We will get down to brass tacks and what to put in your bug out bag. Also, just to lighten the mood, some wacky sound effects. The dark secret place. Tonight at 10. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. So lay your hands across my beating heart. KFI AM uh, 640, Bill Handel, and it is a uh, Saturday morning as we uh, just about finished this hour. 
Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, Joel, it is your turn. Hello, Joel. Uh, Good morning, Bill. Yes, sir. Uh, About 24, 25 years ago, I cashed in some stock options uh, to help pay my wife's medical bills. Uh, The check came in the mail, and she, in, in her dying throes, filed it away. Uh, I I totally forgot about it because of what was going on. Just came across that check a few months ago, going through some old. Mm. How, and, how much uh, is how much is it? It was for roughly eighteen thousand. Whoa, whoa, eighteen thousand dollars! And the check was written from whom? Well, I can't remember the name of the bank that originally issued it. Yeah. The, the bank has since been assumed by Deutsche Bank. Yeah, good for you. All right, here's uh, Joel. Here's what you do. Uh, where where do you uh, where do you live? Uh, Bay Area, San Francisco. Okay do do they have uh, Michaels up there by any chance or an Aaron uh, Brothers? Yes, they do. Okay, good. Where you can buy a a, a frame uh, because that's what you're going to do with it. You're going to buy one of those frames and then you're going to put that check in the frame and then oh, and then look at it. I was afraid. You're yeah, going to eighteen that. years ago. I mean, you could try, uh, and you know maybe someone uh, is. Maybe there's a, someone, a honcho in the bank way up there who, especially when uh, they understand or he or she understands the story that, uh, you know, under what circumstances and your your wife being sick and then your wife dying and all of that. But, man, 18 years, there is zero obligation. Yeah. So, so yeah, 18 so. years, that's a tough one. And then it was a, acquired by Deutsche Bank and they don't even speak English. You know, Deutsche Bank is a bunch of Germans, and I, I wouldn't. If you're Jewish, you certainly don't want to admit that. Okay, uh, Nathan. Hello, Nathan. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Uh, a couple of days ago, I uh, got a call from my employer, telling me know that they were doing a wage garnishment. Um, I was able to get a few documents from them, so I can I actually pull up the case number. And I went down to investigate it because I had no idea what this was. When I got a copy of, of this case, I found out that it was the an insurance company that um, was going after me. Uh, there's an attorney representing them. Okay, how mu- and how mu- uh, for how much money is uh, is the judgment? Well, it started at 2200 And now it's, and- yeah, and this was uh, six years ago, and you never found out about it. Uh and how much uh, is it now? It's uh, forty three hundred now. All right. So here's, here's the, there's there's more to the story. Okay, we only have a minute. Okay, so I I looked into it and found out that there was a testimony made that the person who got hit stated that I was there and I hit them. I actually wasn't there. And it I doesn't even that doesn't even, that part doesn't even matter uh, because what you have to you have to get rid of the judgment and set it aside. That's the problem you have. And then. It, later on, if they're not going to refile it, no one's going to bother. So once the judgment is gone, the judgment is gone. Uh, so you don't have to worry about the rest of it. Uh, the problem is six years ago, uh, but you just found out. Uh, do you have yeah, an obligation to find out? Is there ever, uh, you know, was was there ever uh, a report of that on the on your credit? There was. There was never a report. On okay. The then then and all of a sudden it shows up six years later. Time to talk to the credit reporting agency. That's for starters. And then see if you can set aside that judgment. But uh, it, is it worth it? Uh, you have to pay a lawyer to do that. And uh, it's one of those things that I wish it was $100,000. Yeah. 
well, not for you necessarily, but to make it, uh, or it was, maybe you can sue them for the money. Yeah, maybe for the amount of money. I would. Small claims court, although I don't know if a small claims judge is going to hear it. Okay, uh, let's uh, finish the hour telling you about Indeed.com. And I have hired many people over the years uh, through the many businesses that I've had, all of them spectacular failures, I might add. And it's critical to choose the right person for the job. And I have gone to those search firms where you pay a lot of money up front or signing contracts, long-term contracts. Uh, that It doesn't make any sense to do that anymore. So let me tell you about Indeed.com. It's the world's number one job site. And independent research shows Indeed delivers six times more hires than any other job site. And when you're looking for the right person, let me tell you what happens with Indeed. You can post the job in minutes, uh, set up screener questions that help you zero in on the right candidate, You can review the applicants, take notes, schedule interviews, all from this easy-to-use online dashboard. And Indeed is offering new users a $50 credit to make that first job listing a sponsored job. Premium visibility so more candidates will see it. So you want to make that great hire fast uh, and uh, with a good head start. I mean, that's why Indeed makes so much sense. To find out why over 3 million businesses you in, uh, use Indeed for hiring, uh, go to Indeed.com slash credit. And then the, for that $50 credit, too. Indeed.com slash credit. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Indeed.com slash credit. This is Handle on the Law. AFI AM 640. Bill Handel here on a Saturday morning. Uh, right after this show, it's uh, Leo Laporte, the tech guy, who I love listening to when I'm driving home. Because, uh, I don't understand 90% of what he says or what he answers, but I love the way he does it. Because he's so warm and caring, and I think to myself, and knows his stuff. I mean, knows it cold. And so I'm sitting there, oh, that's a very nice broadcast. I wish I understood Five percent of what he's saying. All right, uh, let's do it. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right, uh, a huge, huge hit is the movie It, uh, Stephen King's novel, and the movie, and it has exploded. It is the biggest, I think, September opening in the history of Septembers, and it was relatively inexpensive to make. Uh, there was no twenty million dollar stars. And it is insane. And, of course, it, in it is uh, the clown, the vicious, murderous clown. So we now move to a guy in Ohio who wants to discipline his daughter, who is clearly not doing what she was doing. So he wears a clown mask and starts chasing her around. She's six years old, doesn't know it's her dad, scared to death. So uh, she runs next door and tells her neighbors, a clown is trying to kill me. And, of course, they immediately call the police. But before going to the apartment, she had reportedly jumped into a stranger's car. And uh, what uh, he then she left. We don't know quite what happened. But as she is uh, coming into uh, the apartment, the family looks out of the window and sees uh, the uh, the father. A man at the apartment building pulls a gun, fires a shot in the air. That stopped Dad from chasing his daughter. And he remained on the scene, based on the fact that I had a gun, until the cops arrived. So the father was arrested. 
Uh, the man who pulled the gun was charged with using we- uh, weapons while intoxicated. And uh, the father initially told the cops that he wore the mask as part of a prank. But later on, he said he did it to discipline his daughter. So uh, he's been arrested as well he should. How do you do that to a kid? How do you do that to a six-year-old kid? Oh, I just wanted to discipline my daughter. Yeah, well, uh, why not? Why don't put put him in the general population for I don't know a week, and let everybody know what he did to his kid? Uh, you think he's going to have a good time? All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. Uh, Mike, hi, Mike. Welcome yes. to Handle on the Law. Yes. Hello. Yes, I have a, a foot surgery about fourteen months ago to repair uh, a neuroma. And the day immediately after the surgery, the next day, I noticed that one of my toes was curled abnormally. Oh. Uh, And, yeah, so I went back to the doctor and for my post-op visit, and um, the doctor had said that he thought maybe it was just traumatized from basically splitting open my toes when I, you know, uh, they went in between my toes to get to the neuroma. So he said it would probably go back to normal after, you know, a certain period of healing. Well, fast forward, you know, a year, and I'd been back to see him about seven, I think it was six or seven times, and I was still in pain this entire year, you know. Is your foot, is your toe still curled, Mike? Uh, it is not, and the reason that it's not, I my wife finally convinced me to go to a different doctor to get a second opinion. And the moment I took my shoe off and the doctor looked at my foot, he said he knew what was wrong with it, which he said that he believed that it was I had torn tendons in my foot. So he did the took a, um, an MRI of it just to be sure. And yes, it, that's what it was. It was I had two torn tendons. Okay, so what did they what did they fix them? The, the doctor did fix it. Yes, I just had the surgery. All right, so it was a se- so it was the second surgery to fix the tendons. Correct. Okay, got it. Doctor. Got it. All right. And what's a, what's a neuroma, by the way? I have no idea. Uh, the neuroma is basically, uh, it's one of your nerves, or it could be multiple nerves, uh, on the body. It feels like I was walking on a rock. Okay. All right. Rock. All right. So what's your, so, que- what's your question? So my question is, uh, not that I want to do, you know, I, I'm really, I don't need the money or anything, but. You know, is there anything that I should do so that yeah, the doctor you can, doesn't do this? Uh, you, can re- you can report them, but a doctor is allowed to, number one, make a mistake occasionally. Uh, okay. n- number two, there is a certain percentage that goes south no matter what. And the doctor okay. may not be held to the level of malpractice as to what happened. Uh, and that's going to take an investigation by the hospital uh, who's gonna, who are going to look at it. And then the only way to really get this thing going is to file a lawsuit, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. The only or Mike, I'm sorry. It's it's the way that you have to file the lawsuit, and that's the way it gets going. But you don't want the money. You don't want to deal with it. So uh, well, you know, it's, not, it's not that I don't want the money. Of course, I could use extra money. But you know, I mean, it's been a year already. It doesn't matter. That part that part doesn't matter. So you're talking about the the pain for a year and a that's sec thing. and a second yeah. surgery. Now I don't know how much that's worth. That's okay. the problem because uh, a per, uh, permanent injury that's worth money. Uh, a year of pain, that's worth some money. 
So right. it's one of those you have to talk to a medical malpractice attorney. Some of them will take it. Some of them won't. But that's the first okay. step is going to a med mal attorney who will then send you off to a doctor who will then make a report, who then will certify it as a medical malpractice case, which it probably is based on what you said, and then deciding how much can you go after uh, the doctor on that one. And it's a year of pain. Uh, and then the surgery, which, of course, that's easy getting covered. But uh, the pain, I don't, I don't know what that's worth. As long as it's not me, I don't care. Uh, hey, Eddie, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi there. Uh, I'm 70 years old and six months. Uh, I went to go see my doctor, uh, uh, and he said that I was suffering from anxiety. I told him I couldn't sleep at night. He said I was, I was manic uh, uh, insomnia. And uh, I heard what you were saying just a little while ago about those kids, kids and doctors. And, and uh, I know Newt Gingrich is, is as opposed to opiates, but uh, everything that you said made it sound like everybody that's taking uh, those medications are junkies. Uh, I, I'm not a junkie. I'm sick. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't know where you got that idea. I mean, everybody who takes uh, anti-anxiety drugs are people who take it their entire lives. I've yeah, been well, I've been on an anti-anxiety anxiety drug, uh, drug, Lamictal, actually, and I've been on it for 15 years, and I'll be on it for the rest of my life. I think so, because I believe you, because I've, I've been taking So what's your question? So, Eddie, what's your question? Maybe you might say something positive about that. Maybe What, maybe that you're nuts? Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> the fact that you're crazy, I see something positive about it? Yeah, why not? Okay. Bro, All right, nice you. talking to you. Like, oh, what do you do with that, huh? This is Handle on the Law. Now, let's check in with Amy King in the KFI Newsroom. Here at KFI, we're all about letting you listen to whatever you want to hear. That's why whenever the Chargers play each weekend, you'll still be able to catch your favorite KFI shows on the iHeartRadio app. One, Chargers. Listen to KFI on your radio or the Chargers app. One, KFI. Listen to iHeartRadio because this is America, buddy. You deserve it. You just do you, boo. KFI AM 640. An iHeartRadio station. Gavin is so high. Such a beautiful job. Can't get enough. Addicted and I'm dying for it. Getting in love. Got a death wish, baby, baby. Don't want you to save me, save me. Tonight. Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More simulating talk. Bill Handel here on a Saturday. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Uh, Bob, hello. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning, Bill. Yes, sir. Bill, I have a question regarding uh, a trust. I'm uh, quite elderly, and I wish to uh, leave a slight income, a monthly income, to uh, three or four different people. And uh, how do I do something like that? Not having anybody that I can uh, uh, assign as a as a trustee. Ah, well, you have to choose a trustee, Bob. You're going to have to do that in terms of setting up a trust. Now, there's a bunch of ways to go. Uh, the attorney who writes a trust, or an attorney who writes a trust, uh, usually in lieu of everybody else, can be a trustee. Uh, the bank that holds the money can be a trustee, but the bank will make no money on the trust. I mean, they're not going to invest it worth a crap because uh, they're going to invest it uh, probably in their own bank paying nothing, uh, and there'll be no return, but they're going to argue that it's the safest way to deal with the money, which it is, because they'll only put it in CDs or put it in their accounts. 
So the hard part you have is figuring out who's going to be the trustee. Another way of doing it is uh, just writing a will. And uh, in the will, uh, no, I say I don't. I wouldn't even do that uh, because you have money that is not going to be distributed at one time. You're going to actually set up accounts of which money is going to be paid. Yeah, I think it's just a trust, and it's a question of you don't need relatives. Uh, do you have a friend uh, that you trust? For example, my trust, uh, Marjorie I, and I have. Uh, my partner is the trustee, and then if she can't deal with it, I have another trustee, a successor trustee. And they are going to choose the third trustee together when they get old and decrepit. Well, Bill, I don't know any anybody that I could say is uh, that much of a friend to rely upon with, with yeah, this that's much a tough money. Yeah, now, how much money are we talking about? About a million. Uh, okay, uh, let me suggest uh, that I be named the trustee because trustees actually get a pretty good chunk of money. You know that, don't you? Bob, you're going to have to find you have to find someone uh, that you can trust to be a trustee. Now, the good side of it, Bob, is after the trust kicks in, you're dead. I mean, so how bad can it be? Because you're already dead. You don't have to worry about whether the money is going to be absconded with or not. But that's your problem, Bob. You've got you don't know. I'm going to suggest this. Why don't you go to the website? Go to handleonthelaw.com. Talk to a trust and estate lawyer, and talk about a trustee. And if he or she suggests that they be the trustee, he or she, I'd go, no, who would you who no, would I you have? I'm weary of that, Bill. Yeah, okay, so that's what you have to do. You're going to have to just, I can't help you in choosing a, a trustee, Bob. Well, do you feel uh, in all sincerity that uh, that the uh, the bank would be the... Uh, uh, the most secure way Yes, to go. yes, by a long shot. The problem is that the bank, a trust should make money. A trust should uh, get some kind of income, and there's going to be no income if the bank does it. So what you have to do is figure out, let's say, a 1% return, and you're going to talk to the bank, you're going to talk to uh, their trust department, effectively, and you figure out how much money. So you have a million dollars, and you have to, and how many people are you going to split the money up with, Bob? How many people are you going to leave money to? Well, right now I'm thinking about four. Okay, so four people. How much are they going to get a year? Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm interested, Bill, in setting up uh, a monthly stipulation. No, I understand, but how much? How much per month? Uh, each one, uh, oh, maybe two thousand a month. Okay, two thousand a month. So you're talking about twenty. You're talking about a hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Uh, with that's that's. Okay. Yeah. All right. With virtually no return with the bank, so they're good for ten years. Exactly. All right. Then just set it up. Then you're fine. The bank is fine. Just assuming that the trust isn't going to make any money, you feel comfortable with the least risk trust situation you can. Your exactly. people, your people will get uh, over ten years, uh, twenty five thousand dollars a year, and you'll be fine. That's all you got. They're good. Who's going to bitch about twenty five thousand dollars a year for ten years? All right. It, yeah. It, it, but, so talk to talk to the bank or talk to your bank and see uh, anybody you you uh, trust on that one. Uh, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Thank you. Bill, I'm going through a divorce. Uh, I'm I'm still waiting for the first court date so we can go to court to the mediator. Now, the wife's attorney sent me a letter. They want me to go to their office, and they want me to bring in my financial records, like tax returns, pay stubs. And they want me to answer some questions under oath, like a deposition. Am I obligated to go there? Yes. If you're subpoenaed, you're obligated to go to a deposition. And uh, you have to bring a lawyer, Jerry. 
You can't do okay. this on your own. But, but how, how, how do I know it's a subpoena? And it's just, it's just a request. Yeah, so far a request. It, it, you know what? You have not been mandated to a, des- uh, a deposition yet uh, because just a letter saying we'd like to depose you. Okay, uh, no. I mean, they have to actually uh, send you a legal document saying we are going to be deposed back and forth. That's the way I understand it. I don't do uh, divorce law, but I don't think it's just by letter uh, because you can always say no. Now, the court could order it, but again, it has to be a court order. It has to be under uh, the guise of a court order. In other words, it has to be a legal document of which a letter is not, Jerry. No, it's, it, it, it's, 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 it's from her attorney. I understand. No, I get it, but it's just a letter. I'm sorry? I'm not obligated to go. No, not if it's let. No, no, not if it's just a letter. You're obligated. No, you. But uh-huh. you. But you need an attorney. You're, but they're going to depose yeah. you. I mean, they're going to depose you. And I don't have nothing. I only have one house, and I told her fifty-fifty. Well, I don't have nothing else, so I don't understand all this. I don't want to spend money in an attorney because I figure it's easy. One property that could be. You know what? And that could be. That could be the answer. And I don't know why she's hiring a, an attorney. Uh, if it's 50-50, all you have is one house. Uh, what's the difference in income between you and her, Jerry? Not much. Okay. And, and the, the and reason she, she hired an attorney because the house is solely under my name. And she, okay. I, she yeah, she wants. So it's not 50-50, Jerry. You're going to keep the house. So, but she's my wife for like 20 years. So uh, how is it only under, it's only under your name? All right, Jerry, are you willing to give the house up, the 50% of the house up? I'm not going to get away without doing it. I'm going to have to get Okay, so what you do is you write her or you call her and say, I'm giving you half of the house anyway. Why do you need a lawyer? Why do you spend $400 an hour, $500 on an hour? Are you crazy? We both make the same income, so there's not going to be any support. So how do I know between the difference of her attorney asking me to go to the office? First of all, you ignore that. Uh, you you just ignore that. Or you get a, an attorney just to write a letter. And how do I know if it's an official subpoena from the court? It'll, it'll, there you'll see. You'll see. You'll see an official subpoena. But you, I would, uh, I'd buy an hour with an attorney. Go, okay. go to the website. Go to my website. Go to handleonthelaw.com and under divorce attorneys. You know, buy an hour and say, I talked to Bill and he says, I don't need... Uh, and a, law- a lawyer to represent me through this, but give me an hour. What kind of letter should how should I respond? And I'm willing to give her half the house, and that's all we have. And we have a little kid too, but I mean, whatever the court decides on the child support, right? I want an idea about the kid. Well, child support is a different child support's yeah, a different right. issue, Jerry. Right? Child support uh, is a different issue because how old how old is a child? Fifteen. Uh, you know what? Uh, they're not. Yeah. I don't think there much is going to happen, and the fifteen-year-old is going to live with whom, Jerry? Well, I say fifty-fifty. All right. Well, then there's—I don't know where they're going to go. So, buy an hour of time. Go to the website. Literally, buy one hour of time, and say, "I need some advice. What do I do?" And if it's uh, a lawyer, that says, oh no, you have to be represented. Go to another lawyer, and they may give you a free consultation. As a matter of fact, that's what you just say. Uh, I talked to Bill, and he said that you'll give me a free consultation. And even if it's not true, say it anyway. Maybe you can shame them into it. This is Handle on the Law. Amy King in the KFI Newsroom. Coming up today on the Fork Report, we'll be discussing fine dining with Chef Vartan, also the intricacies of an authentic mole and fun fall eats. 
That was your promo for the week? That wasn't even funny. They don't all have to be funny, Bellio! The Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. Today at 2, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hi, hello, John. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Yes, my sister-in-law is uh, schizophrenic. She's been like this for several years now. She was recently arrested uh, for felony uh, burglary and I think attempt assault. Uh, what happened is she tried to steal a pack of cigarettes from a gas station. Obviously, that didn't go too well. And then she threatened to run the guy over the car. Caught the call. She was arrested. Now, my wife went to her first arraignment. Um, as far as I know, she has a public defender. Uh, when the judge called for her, um, she, uh, you know, judge asked what her name was, and she gave the wrong name and a wrong birthday. I really don't know what happened after that. Wait a sec. Uh, your sister gave the wrong name or, and birthday, or the judge did? No, my sister-in-law. Okay, she gave the wrong name and the wrong birth date. Yes. Okay. She has the tendency of not being cooperative. Okay. On her so now, I guess you get another court date on the first. Uh, we couldn't make that one. But when we're looking up the case, it looks like she's now in a uh, community court. And we're trying to track out a public defender, but we're having a hard time doing it. And we're just trying to see what our options are. Well, your option is either to hire an attorney or get a public defender. And she has to uh, fill out a declaration of indigence. And uh, that's what she has to do. Otherwise, uh, she's sort of screwed. What will end up happening is she totally is uncooperative. The court will issue an attorney. I mean, they will name an attorney that she has to deal with. Uh, and that's what ends up happening. There isn't a whole lot for you to do except for pay, except pay for a, a private attorney. Now, will this attorney, if she's not being cooperative, will we be able to communicate to this attorney or have some sort of custodianship over her? Because this has been an honor. No, another, no, what, no, no, you won't uh, unless the court allows you to. But it, it, I don't even know what happens. If you're totally uncooperative, you don't give your name, uh, you know, I don't even know what happens. It's just bizarre. Uh, it's it, 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 it for mental illness. She gets yeah, what will happen probably is the judge will simply... Uh, move her to a, a facility uh, to determine her sanity and whether she's uh, unable or will not cooperate based on the fact she's just nuts. Uh, so it's whoever it is, whether it's a private attorney or public defender, that's who you have to have a conversation with. Man, if she won't even give her name, uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's a problem, isn't it? All right, Henry, you're up. Welcome to Handle yeah. on the Law. Yes, sir. Yes, Bill. My wife went for a foot pedicure. Uh, That's usually where they give pedicures, you know, is on your feet. Just wanted to tell oh, you that. Okay. Okay. So any, anyway, later that night, her she got extreme pain in her toe, the big toe. And uh, in the morning, she couldn't even walk. So she, she couldn't go to work. So we went to the emergency, and they had to cut part of her nail off. Said it was infected due to the pedicure. So we gave her medication antibiotics say stay off your feet for the next uh, couple of days so she she got a note couldn't go to work 
The next day, it didn't. It didn't. Got, it got worse. So we had to go back to the emergency, pay that another co-payment, and uh, then they cut another part of her nail, and they said, "Go see your doctor." So the next day, seeing our doctor, and the doctor said, "I can't do it. I need to send you to a specialist." So she was off work for four days. Couldn't see the specialist till the following week. Again, she missed like six, seven days. By the time we seen the specialist, it got worse. They had to remove the whole nail, and she couldn't go to work again. So she roughly missed uh, two weeks of uh, work because of the one pedicure. Do we have a case? Well, uh, yes, you do. The problem is uh, certainly no lawyer in the world is going to pick it up, Henry. Uh, missing two weeks of work uh, because of a bad pedicure and you have an infection and they ripped off a nail. Uh, I mean, that's nothing there. And so uh, what you have is uh, small claims. But I don't even know. I don't think that the uh, small claims judge is going to hear a small claims, uh, a, uh, med- effectively a uh, medical issue, negligence to where you were, uh, med- where she was medically hurt. You could try. And saying, here's what happened. Uh, I've gotten the infection. Of course, if I were the uh, person on the other side of that, uh, if I'm being sued and I run the nail uh, shopping, I go, hey, it wasn't me. You got the infection someplace else. So uh, it's one of those saying, also, what kind of insurance do you think nail people have? Uh, well, the other thing that we thought of, of, of going back to the salon and, and telling them that we're considering to sue and would they make any restitution? Okay, that's fine. You can do that. Although, I don't. again, I don't know how much money you're going to get. So here are your damages. The, the work that was lost, what's two weeks? How much How much does your wife make, Henry? Uh, she works part-time, so maybe, I don't know, maybe $1,000 in, in those two weeks. She works part-time and make 500 bucks a week? All right, that's good. What does she do? She works for a school district. Okay, fair enough. So uh, she's out a thousand bucks. So there's that, and then the, whatever the copay is on your insurance, there's that. Uh, so you can try. I can guarantee you that uh, the nail salon. I don't know what kind of insurance it has. Uh, probably it only has liability insurance for the building if someone falls down. Uh, and breaks a leg, that kind of thing. I don't think they have insurance for the other thing. But, yeah, what I would do is just go there and say, hey, you know, I'm out uh, a couple thousand dollars here, and uh, what do you want to do? Do you want me to sue you and see what they say? I'm assuming that the owner is Vietnamese, right? Yeah. Oh, what a shocker. Uh, Vietnamese nail salon, especially here in Southern California. Uh, you know, or shouldn't they carry insurance? Sure. Yeah, I would think so. Although I don't even know what kind of what kind of liability insurance you have for nails. I'm actually, yeah, they should, but so what? Assuming I'm willing to bet they don't, Henry. Okay. So uh, your, I think your idea is as good as any. Show up there and say I'm going to sue you. Maybe they'll give it to you in trade. You got two thousand dollars worth of uh, pedicures. That's a lot of pedicures. You know that? It's a lot of pedicures. This is Handle on the Law. Now let's check in with Amy King in the KFI newsroom. Procrastinators unite tomorrow. Funny, but not a good way to live. I'll explain on this week's Jesus Christ Show. The Jesus Christ Show. Tomorrow morning at 6 on KFI. AM 640. More stimulating talk. KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel, Saturday morning, 
And welcome to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice when I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, Hello, Jared. Hi, Bill. I own a rental property in Oregon. My tenant called this winter saying when he turned on the heater, everything was gurgling under the house. When I drove over there, I noticed the ditch in front of my house and my neighbor's house was completely filled in. This was the ditch that the rain drains emptied into. My tenant said my neighbor filled in that ditch. Okay. I I called my neighbor. He said he did it. When I asked him if he hooked up the rain drains that were emptying into the ditch, into the pipe he put in the culvert, he said he did not, even though he did do his. All right. I want to know if I can go after him for the cost uh, of flooding my crawl space, and it pulled all of my... Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. The only issue, I mean, the damages are the damages. You know what it's going to cost you, and you know the dollar figure. So that's your damages. Now the issue is, he said, I did the ditch, but I didn't uh, put in the metalwork or the culvert. Is that what he's arguing? Yeah, he he put in the pipe in the ditch when he filled it in, but he didn't connect my rain Okay. Well, into the pipe. All right. So he did well, his. Yeah, um, yeah, it's fine. Let him. It's going to be an issue of uh, who believes who. How much money are we talking about here? Um, we asked him to repair it, and he said he would, but then he didn't get around to it, and it was still raining hard. So we how did much, it ourselves. How much money? Twenty five hundred. Well, that's a small claim suit, and you simply find out what the judge is going to believe and not believe. Okay. And you're going to tell the judge, uh, Your Honor, why would he do all of this and connect his and not connect ours when there's the piping, he put it all in, and he's going to say, hey, it was only for me. It wasn't for him. The piping had nothing to do with Jared. It was for me. And then we'll see who uh, what the judge believes. Okay. That's it. That's real simple. And, uh, you know, I mean, you seem fairly logical. You know, you aren't completely crazy. You know, the swastika tattoos on your neck, I'd wear a turtleneck because that has a lot to do with it. Tim, hello, Tim. Welcome. Hi, Bill. Thanks for taking this uh, call. Sure. So my wife divorced me four years ago. We were together 29 years altogether, married for at least 24. I wound up paying off her college bills and what have you. Uh, She is a teacher still, about ready to retire. Now, I have approached her and said, where's, where's my half of the retirement? And she said, it's written in the divorce papers that you get nothing. Is that so, true? Well, I don't know. I'm not an attorney. Wait a minute. Hold it. That's easy to see. You signed off on a divorce document? Well, yes. And without even, without even reading it? I thought this was an exercise on her part to get my attention. No, I did not read it. Wait, so you, you I, I know, I'm stupid. Yeah, you signed a legal document, and you thought it was an exercise on her part? Yeah, because she kind of pulled that sort of stuff before. Oh, Tim, Tim. So uh, what is what is your question? My question is, does it... Well, I don't know. There's, a, there's, an, overall, there's an overall understanding that, you know... When you live in California, we've got a fifty-fifty rule. No, it's not a no. It's not an overall understanding. It's the law, Tim. Okay. All right. Unless can, you sign can, it, can unless legal, you sign it away. Can I? Is it? Can a legal document overcome that? Yes. Oh, so it very may well have been that I signed off. Yes. My half of the retirement. That is correct. Your argument right. is you want to undo that based on stupid. That you're so dumb. That you're so insanely <laughs> dumb that you didn't understand what you were signing. Yes. 
And then even then, uh, what did you do for a living, uh, Tim? I was working for myself. Doing doing uh, what? Telecommunications. And you made a decent living? Yes. Did you make a good living? Well, we put two boys through Carnegie Mellon. Whoa, good Carnegie Mellon. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, And then my question is, how do you get two kids uh, into a school as... Uh, literally as high-end and as uh, well-regarded as Carnegie Mellon, and they have your genes. You want to explain that to me? (laughs) I might have a little problem with alcohol. Yeah, okay. Well, here's what you have to do, Tim, is uh, we're talking about a lot of money on this retirement. I mean, you've signed away a crap load of money. So you're going to have to go to a divorce lawyer and say, is there any way, and it's if there is a way, uh, there might be what lawyers do is find tiny cracks uh, in the armor and try to open them up. And that's what you have to do is that they're going to have to figure some way that you did you have an attorney at all, Tim? No. OK, that I helps. Agreed, she and I agreed that we were we were going to do this in a friendly okay. way. Did she have it going to hire an attorney? OK, did she, she did. did she, so she did. Do you know that she did? Yes, I do. Well, that is going to be an argument because uh, I think an attorney, if I was representing her and uh, you were signing off, uh, literally giving up half of what you are entitled to under the law, I would I would say make sure that that a lawyer explains to him. Uh, what he signed off on, because once a lawyer has told you, have given, if a lawyer had represented you, given you your advice, you're done, Tim. You are done. However, she had a lawyer. You did not have a lawyer. You both agreed that you wouldn't have a lawyer. You find out later she did have a lawyer. Uh, there's enough there to at least argue, Tim. You need and, and you you can't simultaneously say that my my now ex husband at one time was a hell of a drunk. And no, time, no, I don't think no, exactly, no, the, no, he no. Also knew what the hell he no, was your your alcoholism has nothing to do with whether or not you're entitled to half the retirement. Other than maybe you were drunk when you signed it, then <laughs> no, I'm serious now. That is at least an argument. But uh, congratulations, Tim. You're right up in uh, now three kinds of idiot. So, uh, but I think you have enough, Tim. I think you have enough there to certainly talk to a a, a divorce attorney, family law attorney. That you okay. have to do. Uh, there's no question. Uh, and you just go to my website, handleonthelaw.com, and talk to one of the, the family law attorneys. Boy, that's someone who desperately needs a lawyer and may be able to get out of it. I'll tell you where the big issue was. She was represented. He wasn't. And then was there a document at all saying, I was, I don't want to be represented. I'm doing this. I understand fully what I'm signing. Uh, yeah. And is there anything on paper that uh, that proves that she agreed to not have a lawyer and then have a lawyer? That's a whole different issue. That opens it wide up. Then you can argue, you know what, uh, it, that's unfair from day one. And that's, uh, it was too biased. Okay, if I were the judge, I'd go, you bet, that's out. All right, this is Handle on the Law.